Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, June 12th, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am in the house with Steve Say. What's up? Bob Ryer. Guten Nacht. And Stephanie Cook. Hello. <laughs> you sound like the little uh, worm from Labyrinth. Well, that was a python thing, I think. Caterpillar, whatever. No, it was a bad Cockney accent. That's what it was. Hello. Stick to French, Stephanie. Stick to speaking French, all right? Never go that way. (laughs) Here we go. So, guys, welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. Um, This week, we're going to be doing some uh, listener questions. It's all about you guys, and we got a ton of responses, so thank you for that. Uh, We're, of course, going to be talking about our books of the week and dealing with news, which this week includes um, sales numbers, uh, big time. Uh, We... uh, Obviously, you know, um, Man of Steel is opening on Friday, and we're going to talk about that next week. That's going to be our show next week. Uh, Stephanie has a review going up uh, on on the site, or sh- will be up when you're listening to this, depending on when you're listening to this uh, this podcast. And uh, we also have Superman Unchained coming out this week, so there's kind of a mini Superman week this week. But next week on the site, uh, we're going to try our best to give you guys, including that Man of Steel movie review podcast, a lot of uh, Superman-related content. I know... Uh, Mara Wood has said that she's going to do uh, a Lois Lane gender issues column. Uh, we've got Joey Bricchino is going to be taking a... He's, he's doing this new thing where he's going to look very critically at single issues of books throughout the ages. He's going to do Action Comics number one. Uh, so that'll be on Monday. So it's, we, we, we're going to kick off Superman week with uh, a look at the first ever Superman issue. Uh, and we've got some podcast stuff lined up for you. There, there's nothing set in stone yet. However, I know we're probably going to be talking to Joey Esposito from IGN again. Big Superman guy. He wrote this great list this past week, 25 best Superman stories uh, oh. on IGN. It's a great list. Uh, some really good stuff on there. And uh, we are, it's about 80, 90% sure we're going to talk to Dan Jurgens next week. Uh, writer of Death of Superman and, and uh, lots and lots of Superman books. Uh, Sweet. So that'll be cool. That'll be Superman next week, and we're, we'll all other sorts of Superman content we'll have for you guys. Um, but but before we get there, uh, we've been spending a lot of time the last couple of weeks talking about video games because there's been some video big video game news. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time today, obviously, because not all the dust has settled yet on E3, which is going on kind of as we speak. But the the three press conferences happened. Uh, and I just want to get it out there, Steve. Uh, I guess Nintendo's is a, not really a press conference, but they had their presentation. Yes. Uh, so all three of the major companies have gone. Dust it all on those three things, Steve. Who do you think comes out on top there? Well, uh, I would have to say, as far as for the gamers, it would definitely be Sony and PlayStation Four. Mm-hmm. There's no mm-hmm. question about that. Yeah. Um, 
Microsoft. I mean, for me personally, I watched uh, I watched both the Sony presentation and the Microsoft, and about half of the Nintendo. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I watched Microsoft, all I saw was that they didn't they didn't learn from the buzz and from from perhaps some of the things they had thrown out there. That they had an opportunity to kind of move their strategy around, mm-hmm. and rather than cater to the gamers and listen to the gamers and listen to the outcries of the internet, which in their line of work, that stuff is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't change much, if anything, about what they what their mission was. The price of the system is very high; it's five hundred bucks. Oh, it's a lot of money for. A system that doesn't really do a whole hell of a lot else than what the 360 already does. But wait, to be fair to your comments before, yep. I mean, like they, they they announced the Xbox One, but they never, that was like past when they had prototypes and all that stuff ready. I mean, that was like a month ago. So, I mean, it wasn't so much a, we're listening to you guys and we're going to change everything that you say because you hate it. It's like, Oh shit! You all hate it, but it's already done. Yeah, but I, I, the the thing that's more about it is I'm the the built in kind of uh, hardware. It's it's the the software. It's the policies. It's the policies, yes. and uh, the fact that they wouldn't know people are going to react by that. I, I I think they definitely people are going to react badly. What I see of Microsoft is they're making the same mistake that Nintendo made after the Super Nintendo, that Sony made after the PlayStation Two, which is they're two full of themselves and too confident that people like us so much, whatever we, whatever we do, people are going to take it. Yeah. And, and I, I, and I, I think that would have flown except Sony walked out on stage at the end of their press, press conference, basically took their dick out and said, <laughs> fuck yourself, Microsoft. Like, yeah. you know, we don't give a shit about your DRM policies. And they, it was one of the most passionate things I've ever seen a corporate person speak in my entire life about, you know, uh, being true to their fans, supporting their their, their gamers, you know, and right. stuff like that. And I, I think that that ending made me want to buy a PlayStation 4 yeah. uh, more than any of the games. Because I was impressed with the Xbox games. I just... Well, that's that's my thing. I There were games... Sunset uh, Overdrive. Oh, yeah, it looked awesome. That looks... Uh, then that's yeah. like that's my game. Like, yeah. I, I want to play that. Mm-hmm. It reminds me uh, a little bit of like Jet Set Radio meets yeah. um, Ratchet and Clank kind mm-hmm. of thing. But... My problem is is that the policies and the things that you would the thing that the things you would have to do to play the system after 24 hours if it has 24 hours of being offline that's it mm-hmm. it's bricked yeah. you can't play it again you can't even play single player until you connect it to the internet yeah. again what even by yourself I yeah mean, no. you can't sit no, in your you own can't. living room and play it's it? authenticating it, yeah. the software because none of this it, 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 they change the mode in which the software is delivered you get by discs but it's like a PC game. You, uh-huh. you you put the disc in it, it installs it, and then yeah. it's you don't use the disc again. So they don't want you to be able to basically share a game with ten people, you know. And if you stay offline, they can never check to see if whatever is what. My, yeah. my my biggest thing is with the Microsoft thing. This will be my. I have so much to say about yeah. it, but this I'll try to make this my last word. When I was growing up, and when I've been playing games since Atari, I've been playing games for probably close to thirty years, a long time. And one of the greatest, greatest aspects about playing games has been sharing them with people mm-hmm. and playing a game like I do with you, yeah. Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. This game was fucking amazing. Yeah. You got to play it before yeah. the end of the year. If we make any kind of list, you yeah. got to check this game out mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Here you go. Mm-hmm. You have a system. I have a system. Just install it. If yeah. you don't like it, you could always take it off. Yeah. The whole thing. 
they did away with that. Mm. And in, in my in my eyes, they did away with a lot of what the gaming community is based around, and that is community, mm. having being able to share these experiences with people. And yes, you can do that, but the flaming hoops that you have to jump through to get it done, not to mention paying extra for a game that you already paid for to activate it on another system, mm. is bullshit. And it's all just anything that they've done, any of their new policies, is just to get more money from their audience. And the only reason they still are around or in the game is because of their audience, and they fucked every last one of us with a lot of these policies. The games look amazing, the system looks amazing, but the bullshit that comes along with owning one and what you'll have to pay to own it to me, is not worth owning mm-hmm. the system. I was tremendously impressed after their press conference, too. I, you know, I, I had this same sort of feeling, but I always thought Sony would basically do the same thing. If Microsoft is doing it, they're not crazy enough to, to, to not know that Sony is also going to do this thing because they're getting pressure from publishers. They're like, look, we don't people selling back our games. What are you going to do about it? We're not going to put our game out on your system if you don't... And, Which and, is like and, terrible sorry, me, go for like ED games and all that stuff, just as a sidebar. Like, yeah. They're just like screwing the retails, which is retailers which is bullshit Mm. so and so i figured sony would come out and basically say the same thing like we're doing this policy we're doing that we're doing this uh and they didn't which which was amazing the xbox conference though like uh uh, they showed uh the game the the titanfall game from respawn entertainment which is the guys who created call of duty and left and made their own studio it looks amazing it looks crazy they you know i I would probably buy an Xbox One just for Quantum Break, which okay. is this Remedy game, which is the company that made Alan Wake and, and, and the Max Payne games. It looks fucking great, you know. But I, I don't want to jump through these hoops that they're, and I'll eventually get one. But it's right. not going to be something I'd buy right away. Well, just a word about Titanfall. I don't know if you know this. Uh, it's also coming out for the Xbox 360, and it's also coming out for the PS4, but it won't be for another year. Oh, it's a year late. The reason for gotcha. it being exclusive right now mm. is because it's a, it's a team of like less than 50 people, mm. and they made the game. They wanted to concentrate on one system because it's their, it's their debut title. Yeah. So, But they are going to... The pre-orders on it have been ridiculous. They're sure. gonna they're gonna push it into PS4 and 360. Yeah, I'm sure. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go no, on. it's totally fine. Uh, you know, and so those games look great. And listen, the Xbox 360 is probably my second favorite game console of all time, uh, behind the Super Nintendo. So I'm an Xbox fan. I'm a giant Xbox fan. I I, I think they have. I love their online infrastructure. They, I think their the controller is probably my favorite game controller of all time. So Especially for first person shooters and stuff too, like it's just you can't beat it. No, the, I, I love that controller. Reaver. <laughs> I can't play shooters on PS3 anymore because like Xbox has ruined me for it. So uh, all yeah. those things put the Xbox up. Uh, when things are at zero, I'm Xbox. I'm leaning towards, but that press conference really made me go. Hmm. Plus, there's a hundred dollars cheaper, and I know the Xbox One comes with the Connect now. But to look at gamers and say, "Hey, it's a hundred dollars more expensive because we put this thing in here that you guys don't want anyway," you, you know, it that doesn't that doesn't sell yeah. it to me. You know, I like the Connect fine, but that it should be an optional thing in my opinion. However, the Sony conference, uh, I thought that some of the stuff they showed looked really, really nice. Um, I think Infamous Second Son l- looks pretty badass. Uh, and the fact that it's such a little thing, but this game Transistor by Supergiant Games, the company yeah. that made Bastion, this downloadable game that came out on the Xbox first, uh, the last generation, one of my favorite games of the last generation, 
is coming out first on the PS4 and stuff like that is the stuff that turns that moves the needle for me as far I am as. all about Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh yeah, Kingdom Hearts 3 got announced as well. It's some big stuff, but uh we we will see what happens. We don't talk about it too much. Maybe we'll, we'll kind of disperse it out through the next couple of weeks and I'm sure we'll have news and news as things go on. Um you know, uh but we want to move on to comic book stuff and we actually it's that favorite favorite time of the year where uh, the sales numbers came out uh, for the year, for the for the year, for the month, uh, and we we as always, I get these numbers from Comicron.com, which is a really really great site for uh, comic book sales numbers. Uh, coming at number one, X Men number one, uh, 177,000 copies. Yeah. Uh, Brian Wood, uh, all female X Men team launch is great. Stephanie, you weren't here last week. Obviously, we talked about the book a ton last week, but w- what did you think of it? Okay, sorry, for a second. What was the book? <laughs> X-Men. Oh, it was fucking awesome. <laughs> I, you, Bobby knows, like, I didn't really advertise, um, I contemplated advertising my reservations about it, but I think for the most part I kept to myself, and I was a little reserved about the whole thing, and it was just like, so good. <laughs> it was so good. And everyone was exactly who I wanted them to be, mm-hmm. except for Jubilee, who, like, is always the worst character ever. But, like, I mean... <laughs> Everyone else was so cool. I love the bad guys. Yeah. Um, Rogue's in it. And there was like a couple moments where Psylocke was like so badass. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, I, I did this. <laughs> I enjoy this. This is good. This is up my alley. We're yeah. okay. It, it, was, it was awesome. So, yeah, that deservedly a number one book. Uh, the next two spots are DC books. We have Batman number 20, 129,000, holding strong. And I'm sure those numbers will probably go up next month with this new uh, zero-year stuff that starts today. Uh, Justice League, a number 20 at 97,000. I believe that's the first time it's under 100,000 uh, since the since the relaunch. But wow. still, obviously, very, very strong numbers. Um Number four and five are both taken up by Age of Ultron, 96 and 95,000 respectively. And then six and seven are both Spider-Man books at 93,000 and 85,000. Um, Justice League of America is number eight with 83,000. All New X-Men at 80,000. And Detective Comics at number 10 with 78,000. Um, some notable stuff right below it too. Iron Man number nine at 78,000. You look back to last week, last month, uh, it was about 48, 45. Uh the reason for this is because they launched this new secret origin of Tony Stark arc and it, it kind of boosted numbers big time. I think especially too, because it came out right around the time that Iron Man three hit the shelves. Uh, but an interesting bump for that, especially because the 10th issue is way down the list. Um, Justice League of America, number four though, it's 77,000 walking dead, uh, number 110 at 76,000 uncanny Avengers, number eight at 75 and Avengers, uh, number 12 at 74,000. Um, and uh, Green Lantern, the last Jeff Johns issue at 67,000. I think a lot hurt by the 799 price tag uh, mm-hmm. as far as numbers go. Um, and then some indie stuff, 10 grand, the first issue premiered at number 24 with 57,000. Nice. Sold. Yeah. Very, very good numbers there. Um, of course, uh, it's funny because I think this month is one of the first months is the off month for Saga, so we don't get any uh, Saga will not be uh, on this list. But uh, two Wolverine the X Men books twenty nine and thirty both at forty thousand. Very interesting how consistent those numbers are, considering you usually see when the, the double ship books the second one is less. Obviously, it's just less time to sell and get reordered over that that time. Um, 
Regular show number one came in at 38,000. Uh, very, very high numbers for that as well. Um, that's and Boom Studios, right? That's Boom Studios, yes. They've been having a lot of success lately. So a tremendous amount of success, yeah. Uh, the movement number one at twenty nine thousand, so uh, uh, not a very big debut for for that book. Uh, a green team was less though at twenty seven thousand, um, and that's pretty much it for the the notable notable books there. Uh, Bounce number one uh, twenty four thousand, so not a big debut for that. And Suicide Squad number twenty, which was the first new issue with the creative team, not a much of a bump twenty three thousand units sold there for that one so uh bob you actually had some interesting takes on these numbers correct yeah uh as we were going through this uh you know over the year we always chat you know what was last month so these are actually up from april but down from a year ago Mm -hmm. and i just started looking at some of these things some of the numbers on the new 52 books just looked really low so Mm -hmm. you you had a column last year where you, you ranked your own and ran all the sales figures and some of these have experienced some really staggering drops. Flash is now selling 39,000. Before the relaunch, it was at 95. Wow. And was as high as 129 and just has dropped away. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't know. Is it 95 right before the relaunch was the, it was yes. the number? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. That number may slightly inflated only because Flashpoint. Flashpoint and he was the center of that, mm-hmm. that event. But yeah, bigger numbers, obviously. You know, the, the staggering success is Batman. Yeah. Despite what Rob Liefeld says, it was <laughs> 51,000 before, went to 188. Mm-hmm. After a year, at last July, it was yeah. at 127, and now it's at 129 again. Yeah. So it's sailed completely through. But mm. the one that hit me, for instance, Wonder Woman's at 37,000. Mm-hmm. It was 29 before. Right. 76 at relaunch, down to 45. It lost 20% from April to May. Yeah. Another 20% law, uh, loss. It'll be right back where it was before they started. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's a lot of them. Teen Titans is at 36. It was at 43. had gone to 73. Batwoman's at 29. Mm-hmm. was at 43 before. So there are some great successes. Superman's obviously now going to take off again. Yeah. It's back down to 45,000. Mm-hmm. It was as high as 131. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's, the Superman thing is directly related to quality, though. And I, and I, I, I yeah, think, action, same idea. Yeah. And I, 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 well, let's say not quality. I'd say perception of quality because I don't think it was very good, but I'm sure there are, there are fans of it. But the perception over the last year or so has been these Superman books aren't very good. So I think that has a lot to do with the numbers dipping. I think obviously uh, we have a new story that we're coming up, and I'll, we'll just talk about it now because we're talking about Superman. Mm-hmm. There's a rumor that Greg Pak is taking over Action Comics. Uh, with Aaron mm. Kruder as the artist after the uh, Scott Lobdell fill-in issues. And obviously, Greg Pak is also launching uh, Batman and Superman, Superman and Batman, uh, this month as well with nice Jai Lee. Nice synergy then to have those Yeah. Together. So uh, I, I think that mixed with this movie, I think, is obviously going to rebound those books. And I think you'll see action in those and obviously Superman Unchained and probably Superman and Batman as well, which was one of their best-selling books uh, a few years ago when Jeff Loeb was mm-hmm. on the title, uh, you know, rise back up. But we'll see. Uh, my favorite, I think, is is our favorite book, Catwoman. <laughs> is it twenty six thousand? Oh wow, wow! <laughs> I mean, it had gone to sixty, mm-hmm. and actually, I think it was the issue two actually even went up beyond that. Oh wow! It might have been sixty five. Mm-hmm. It was moving upwards until I guess the backlash began. Yeah, I I actually read the Catwoman annual, and it wasn't as bad as like the first issues of Catwoman, in which I like raged. If yes, we can yeah. remember we, that, we did rage. We remember. <laughs> But uh, 
I mean, it was still pretty awful. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's just not a good book. It's just it not good. So Somebody bad, please fix was. that because you all have ruined Catwoman. I, I that think... was like you all and y'all like y'all, all y'all, actually I know. mixed. I think that DC the the problem with the Catwoman book too is even if the Anna Senti book was good, it, I think they got in this area where it was so maligned by people that it needs to really have a like a giant spike for at least a little while for it to get back up to a mm-hmm. level where it sells respectively. Uh, yeah, I mean uh, they're gonna we'll have to see what happens because DC has has done this thing where they have not had an event yet, right? Which is one of those ways that kind of companies keep. Get the, in, get the influx of people coming in to rise numbers every once in a while and we won't see that again obviously until uh, September uh, and we don't, we're not going back into the Villains Month thing again yeah. but uh, the but Forever Evil mi- event yeah, they've so. done many events they've done many Florida events Atlantis and exactly which Wrath have boosted Justice League and boosted Aquaman but they don't boost the whole line Forever Evil is really the first time you're gonna, we're going to see if that shot in the arm as far as a, a universe wide event can jack up, you know, get people interested again. And, and is that what it's really called? Forever Evil? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Now I have like Forever Young stuck in my head. Forever Evil is the name of the Jeff Johns, oh, David Finch, yeah. okay. uh, seven issue uh, miniseries. Can that help Katana and Vibe? Terrible name. Probably not. Because they're at 14,000? Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's rough rough for those characters. And the, those, those are those things where I don't even know if those books are good or not. Not really. Because I just don't have an interest in, in reading about them, you know, and I haven't heard enough you know, positive vibes coming out to, to take a chance on them. No, uh, I read three issues of Katana and it was just like, yeah, I'm over you this. You didn't dig it? No. no. Well, I mean, it wasn't bad, but it's mm-hmm. not good either. It's just mediocre. Right. Right. So, uh, and vibe, I have no idea. I know that, you know, uh, I know Pete Woods has already left, left the book, oh. uh, uh, not for any reason, just cause he had other projects to do. And this seems to be a trend now, even Marvel, DC, whatever, they announce a new series with a, like a very high profile artist, and then three or four issues in, they just kind of leave. That's like uh, Frank Cho on Savage Wolverine, right? But that that was always meant to be kind of a like a. I was under the impression that like that was his book now. No, um, was, uh, well, he started it, but it's it's going to be it's was supposed to be the way kind of. I don't think Avenging Spider-Man is quite the right way to say it, but I think it's sort of like that, like small arcs, right? Like short runs by teams that are self-contained, kind of outside of continuity. Uh, that's what that book is supposed to be. Um, well, if you put a big, high-profile creator first issue, you get that nice boost, and mm-hmm. then another one next arc. Yeah, a couple extra thousand people. Yeah, uh, the trade the trade lists uh, got to be Walking Dead again. Well, number one is actually the first volume of Adventure Time. Is, wow. is number one. Oh wow! Uh, the first volume, really? Yeah, because it just it's been out for ages. Not the but not the first trade paperback. The trade paperback just came out. No, no, the, I, the trade's been out for a little while. Back forever. Oh, really? I think it was. Um, this might be. There was a like a recollection of it. Oh, okay. It first came out in. I want to say soft cover. Oh, there was a hardcover that came out. Right. Yeah. And then they. I think they released it again. Okay. Um, those books. I mean, yeah, those books totally sell huge. It. Between, I mean, regular show was on the list, but Bravest Warriors mm-hmm. that always sells. I just and, started watching uh, that show, by the way. Bravest Warriors is like Adventure Time on crack. It's so funny. <laughs> adventure Time on crack? That's yeah, blur. I know. And if you've seen Adventure Time, that's like saying a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize. Yeah. I thought I saw like a, what was it? Like a, like an eight minute uh, episode. And then that was all. I thought that I didn't know they turned oh, no, it into a regular it, they show. They are like little eight minute episodes that are done on YouTube. But it's amazing. <laughs> In like, wow, am I on drugs kind of way? <laughs> Because whoever made it is on drugs, lots of drugs, <laughs> all the drugs. Um, 
uh, Saga Volume One is number two. That that's holding strong there. Uh, Walking Dead Volume One: Days Gone By is number three. Uh, Superman Earth One Volume One actually is number four. Uh, Adventure Time: Marceline and the Scream Queens Volume One is number five. Nice. Um, and then we have Deadpool, My Little Pony, Superior Spider-Man, Superman Action, the first one, the first Grant Morrison arc, and then Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Volume 2, uh, from Vertigo, rounds out the top ten there. Uh, so interesting numbers there, and, uh, I'm pulling up the numbers as far as, like, the, the year, the comparisons here, um, this was, versus a year ago this month, it's down 5%. Uh, and from five years ago this month, down 1%, 22% up uh, from 10 years ago. And oddly enough, from 15 years ago, nothing different. The exact same mm. like sales numbers. Um, the, uh, it, the, it made, the industry made $25.4 million from the top 300 comic sales um, and $7.83 million from the trade paperback sales. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the market share is real quick. Uh, dollar share, Marvel 33%, uh, and DC 28%. Unit share, Marvel 37 and DC 30 Image, 7.48 dollar share with an 8.11% unit share. Um, IDW, 6.28 for dollar and 4.77 uh, for unit. And Dark Horse, 4.73 dollar and 4.36 uh, for unit share. Um it was notable though because it's apparently the first time that the the first, the, the top five had less than I guess I forgot what the exact number was a ninety percent share of the market uh, with companies like Dynamite and Boom, uh, uh, Eagle Moss, which I'm not sure, I'm not sure what that well, is. They do those figures, the chess pieces with magazines inside. Oh, uh, okay, about fifteen bucks usually. Avatar and Zenoscope rounding out. Uh, the kind of top 10 of, of the publishers on there. Uh, so it seems like the industry is getting more diverse, although we are down uh, this month from from past months. But we have a lot of events and big stuff coming in the next couple months, so I'm sure you'll see those numbers change very, very soon. Um, but very happy to see X-Men up there. I'm interested to see what the depreciation value is on that as, as we go along. Uh, the other X-Men titles have held up very well, the, the mainline X-Men titles. So one hopes that we will see that kind of stay up there. You want to see quality win out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's very high quality. Uh, And I I think the Batman book has proven that that's possible. You know, it it did not return to a level. It stayed at its level because I think of the quality overriding the usual Mm -hmm. depreciation of those kind of books. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Speaking of Batman, DC announced this week that uh, um, Batman Black and White is coming back. Uh, it's a it's going to be a six issue miniseries. Uh, the first issue is forty eight pages, um, and you know it's an anthology book, and it includes uh, Sean Murphy, Chris Samney, Neil Adams, Michael Cho, Joe Quinones, Chip Kid, John Arcudi, Maris Wicks, and Howard Mackey. And there's a cover by Mark Silvestri. What is that one? You're, there's an image there that's really creepy. That it's Mark Silvestri's cover Ooh. of the book. That's a tasty list of contributors. It is, yeah. yeah. Uh, this was something they, they've done a few times, right? They used to do it back, mm-hmm. they did a four-issue one, and there's a big, there's a famous Neil Gaiman issue from that time. Uh, so we're going to have to see uh, what comes of that. Uh, but does that excite you, Bob? Sure, Black, Black and White, and white absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be detective stories, horror stories, yeah. creepy stuff. Batman's milieu. Yeah. What do you think of, of, of that, Stephanie? I, 
I mean, that's a great list of creators, so mm-hmm. why the hell not? <laughs> Just throw it on the fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in in the legal side of things, uh, uh, sorry, Gary Friedrich, right? Is that how you say his name? Uh, yes. Uh, the creator, co-creator of Ghost Rider has been in a legal battle with Marvel. Marvel is saying that he, they, he owed them $17,000 for you know, doing Ghost Rider sketches and, and using the Ghost Rider name at conventions to to make money, you know, uh, and initially he had been they the courts had ruled in favor of Marvel, but now um, the Second Circuit Court of Appeals has overthrown that ruling as saying that the contracts that Friedrich signed are ambiguous and that it should go to full trial to decide whether Friedrich has an ownership stake in Ghost Rider or not. Uh, the question is whether Marvel will risk such a trial given the existence of two major movies, toys, and considerable licen- licensing or decide to settle. Bob, what do you think about this? I think you're going to end up with a settlement, mm-hmm. but it's it's an odd thing. It's, a, it's an agreement that was signed in 78, six years after the character was created. Mm-hmm. Why that turned up there, no one's you know come up with anything. Interestingly, records seem to show that, well, first of all, Marvel had a ghostwriter character in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Yes. The Western hero that they since now called the Knight Rider, but he white outfit on a horse rode through, you know, pretending to be a ghost. Right. Uh, apparently, Friedrich's idea was for a motorcycle riding character, period. And the whole thing was mm. c- it's a combined effort by he, Roy Thomas, the artist Mike Plug, and Stan Lee. Yeah. So if this, if th- this judge who's finding the agreement ambiguous throws this back to another court, over this, this throws work for hire, the nature of creation, the Marvel method throws everything into a cocked hat. Mm-hmm. Who created it? Well, he didn't exactly. Right. No one did. They all did. Right. So can one claim the copyright or is it work for hire for the company? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be all be about the legal language of that, of that contract, I'd assume. You know, I think that's probably what's in question here. Well, he uh, said that the judge was saying it's about that Marvel didn't... Sp- Specify in this agreement uh, the valuable copyright right. of this particular character. They were just talking about that artwork, apparently. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, yeah. th- his his ruling's ambiguous in its own way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it, somebody else figure this out. I don't. I can't be bothered. <laughs> I mean, Stephanie, as someone who you know goes to a lot of conventions, you know, has run a convention, has. Mm-hmm. Uh, bought a lot of art and a lot of prints fr- from artists in art in Artist Alley. I mean, what do you think at first of just of Marvel cracking down on this guy for you know making money conventions, selling these Ghost Rider things? And then what do you think about the fact th- this kind of creators' rights thing that this all brings up? It's pretty ridiculous to begin with. I mean, I understand to an extent most people at like <clears throat> sorry DC and Marvel they kind of know. Their limits, like you can't really sell prints unless you have, like, the permission of the owner or the company. And to a degree, I understand that. Like, I get that it's not necessarily their property to sell to other people. But at the same time, it's a convention, and these people have like put so much work into, you know, these characters over the years, and it just seems like such a dick move to sue them over this, like these people don't really make that much money off of their art and the writing. And like, it's, it just seems like an uphill battle mm-hmm. for Marvel to kind of crack down on all this stuff that doesn't really need to be cracked down on. Yeah. Um, and what it means for like the other artists and stuff too is, you know, so ridiculous. Like Marvel is 
I get, it seems to me from the outside that they just have a specific beef with him mm-hmm. because this isn't really a new thing. Everyone pretty well does this to some extent. And, you know, by them cracking down and it, it, it just puts this like tension in the air at conventions and makes them like less fun for creators and fans to go to and hurts them in the long run, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Steve, what do you think? <laughs> Honestly, uh, after listening to Bob and listening to stuff, I don't know if I really have one. <laughs> um, no, on, I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest. The, the legal stuff always goes over my head mm-hmm. completely. I, I listen to every word you said. I listen to every word Bob <laughs> said, every word Stephanie said. And about like seven or eight or nine of them in, I just like, woo, check <laughs> right out. Uh, I don't know. It's it's sketchy. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I mean, could there be something worked out where it's a shared property and they could divide the proceeds of anything that the character would be used for, possibly? I mean, the what's better for the character? Is it remaining in this guy's possession where he just goes around selling prints and selling the idea that he was the one that came up with Ghost Rider or could the Ghost Rider get better mileage out of being in the films and being reintroduced into the universe? Well, he would never be taken out of the Marley universe. But what I mean, like, showcased again. Like, like well, brought yeah, into the forefront. Really, this really has nothing... I mean, it, the, this guy helped create the character in whatever form, mm-hmm. or the, the, the form of the character that became the character that we know now, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Johnny Blaze Ghost mm-hmm. Rider. Uh, the stuntman who made a deal with the devil kind of guy. He was selling prints over years and years and years and years, uh, and was u- using you know to get con- and interviews and get time at conventions. In fact, that he co-created Ghost Rider. Uh, years and years later, when when this guy is basically penniless, has no money, Marvel decides we they kind of either they found out or they decide at this point that we don't like what you've been doing. We're going to sue you. We're going to sue you for saying that you are co-creator of Ghost Rider, and we're going to sue you for sell- making money off of art prints at conventions. Why the hell did they wait till he was penniless? Uh, well, movies? Who knows? Yeah, maybe. You know, there. But forget about the legal ramifications. The PR aspect of it is, is nightmarish. You're mm-hmm. going after this guy who has no mm-hmm. money for seventeen thousand dollars. That doesn't mean anything to you. Like to Disney, Marvel, Disney. What is seventeen thousand dollars? You know, that's that's how much it this costs is all to over seventeen thousand yeah. dollars. Yes, this this guy will ruin his life if he has to pay them seventeen thousand dollars. That's why it seems like it's a personal battle. Yeah, that's so like, ridiculous. Yeah, all right, exactly. now I do have an well, opinion. Well, damn it! Well, I haven't gotten well, to chime in. You're not allowed to share it, Steve. No, I haven't gotten Sorry. to chime in on that part. I was dealing with I'll the legalities you, of the character yeah. and and that end of it. That the lawsuit comes down on this which is something that's been a gentleman agreement for all these years at conventions they mm. could stop everybody yeah in Absolutely. essence it could be not for profit you could give it away to children's hospitals mm. the instant you collect money in essence you're in violation of their copyright yeah doesn't matter if you write little circles on it and trademarks on the the, the print you sell you can't do that mm. they don't care because it was good pr to let people sell them mm. to go after this poor sod is just ridiculous yeah Hmm. And it's not like he's out there like writing ghostwriter stories and selling yeah. them at conventions. You know, it's just he's just selling prints. He's trying to make money and live his life when he can't get a job anymore doing the thing that he became what who he was doing. You know, so I, I just think to go after one guy for something like this, I think is pretty is pretty low. horrendous. Yeah, it's low. low. It's very low. I fully understand it now, and I agree. 
Wow, thank you, Steve. Hey, it's you hush. You've been on, you've been on me all night. Be quiet, you. I know, I, no, that's it's, like, it's a loving thing. I'm I hugging know. you from afar. It's right. I'll just I'll just forget her during Book of the Week segment. Ah, yes. <laughs> We have a I little, didn't do anything to you, Bobby. It's we have a little funny. button underneath the table yeah. that any one of us could press at any time <laughs> that sets off this little red light up on the ceiling, and it's to forget you about something. Oh, I'm going to throw tomatoes at you from Canada. <laughs> so Boo! I'm allergic to tomatoes. You might no! kill me. No! And that really sucks for you, doesn't it? Why? <laughs> you found his kryptonite. Um, so, moving on... Uh, We'll shave with it. From this illegal stuff to the movie side of things, uh, we have some rumors that came out this weekend about who Karen Gillan is possibly playing. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, Karen Gillan! Uh, yeah. I didn't hear this one. In, in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and the rumor now is that she's playing Angela, who's being reintroduced to the Marvel Universe oh. with Age of Ultron. Beautiful, red-haired character, mm-hmm. cosmic character, makes a whole lot of sense. Um... 70, we talked about this last week on the show about these casting things, but uh, are you excited about Karen Gillan being in Guardians of the Galaxy? I don't give two shits like who she's playing. I'm just really excited <laughs> that she's in it. Like, really excited. So excited. All the excited. Yeah. I'm going um, to see it because of her, because she's awesome. Excited. I think she's excited. <laughs> I'm going to go on a limb and say, excited. It's awesome. I mean, like, she's not Angela tall. wears like this skimpy like one of the skimpiest costumes for like women in comics but whatever who cares she's gonna rock it <laughs> yeah. who cares she's awesome I'm sure in the movies it will not be that skimpy no I'm <laughs> sure because I mean they always re- redo the costumes pretty well for the movies and I'm yeah. sure it will be completely different because they will receive like all kinds of flack for putting her in a metal bikini but yeah <laughs> you know yeah I'm sure some people will be happy with that uh, I'm excited it seems like she should be playing a badass that's pretty cool right Steve yeah yeah yeah. Is she a bounty hunter? That's the that's the deal with Angela, right? I have no Am idea. I yeah, I don't know. What, this nope. has the thing. I'm I'm so excited because it's her, but I don't know anything about Angela. We'll know soon, though. We'll yes. know two weeks. Oh. I think we'll know uh, mm-hmm. everything about that because Age of Ultron t- uh, will close itself out, and we're gonna we're uh-huh. gonna get her appearance in the universe. Um, really cool, though, and. Uh, apparently, Benicio del Toro is. N- I mean, this is not. None of this is confirmed, but apparently, he's not playing Thanos. Ooh. It's another villain. Another very bad, but sometimes good person. Yes, the, the collector. The collector. Yeah, it goes back to Avengers twenty eight. The the illustrations of him kind of look like a white haired Benicio del Toro, so yeah. I can understand. Yeah, it does. Why they would cast him? But if they put the chin on him, oh, they could absolutely he could have done it. Yeah, he could have done it. And he would have done such a great job. <laughs> Again, like. For everyone that they've cast in this movie, I really don't give two shits who they're playing because they've put this amazing cast in there and there's no way I'm not going to see it yeah. based on that alone. Yeah. Uh, and on the DC... Plus the comic's really good. Carry yeah, on. the comic is really good. Absolutely. Uh, the On the DC side of things, uh, not, a lot, not, not a lot of... A lot more smoke than fire right now, but there are two stories out there that came out nearly simultaneously with, with men of steel tracking at around a hundred million dollars for the weekend. Mourners is as almost assuredly already started making plans for the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are two stories that came out. One that they're fast tracking men of steel two with Zack Snyder back and David Goyer writing. But the other rumor is that David Goyer is writing justice league right now. And, and that will be the movie that, that, that follows a man of steel. Uh, you know, obviously, we're going to be talking a lot about Men of Steel next week, so quality-wise, we can't get into that right now, but uh, David Goyer, what do you think about running Justice League, Rob? 
fine. Mm-hmm. It's still, we've talked about this to death, but it is awfully quick how it they're going to manage this mm-hmm. unless there are some mm-hmm. little Easter eggs in this Right, one. yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe we get Man of Steel 2 and then, because he's a writer, he can write more than one thing at one time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you get both those things. Uh, so, but it seems like DC is going to have a hit in their hand that's not Batman so that they will be, they're going to start the engine moving. Uh, we've talked a lot about DC and their, their movie stuff, so I don't want to talk it to death, but I thought we should let everybody yeah. know out there that that's, that is happening right now. Um, <clears throat> and w- moving away from the movie stuff, we did talk about last week uh, the first couple members of a new uh, team for the Marvel Universe had been announced, the Mighty, uh, which turned up the Mighty Avengers, and we have the rest of the lineup got announced after we did our show last week. Um, so the whole team is Luke Cage, Superior Spider-Man, Blue Marvel, Power Man, She-Hulk, and White Tiger. Uh, somebody joked on the internet, uh, they put all the minorities in the Marvel Universe into one book. (laughs) The Minority Avengers. Yeah, the Minority Avengers. So, the Mighty Avengers, written by Al Ewing, who has done a couple guest issues on Avengers Assemble, the AU tie-ins, I believe. Which is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I had the writer on this wrong. Hickman's yeah. overseeing it, but not writing yeah, it. Yeah, and Greg Land is the artist on it. Uh, so, Stephanie, w- what do you think about the, the team that's laid out there and the, the eventuality of another Avengers book? I'm glad you pointed it out, because the first thing I was going to say was, like, for fuck's sake, Marvel. <laughs> like, seriously? Can we just call it something else? Can we please... I I have like 17 Avengers titles in my books and I have no idea which ones I've actually read because they've all bled together. Like deal with that, please. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Just call it something else. Give them a new team name. Yeah. Find somebody in your, you know, creative team who can come up with something different and creative (laughs) other than the fucking Avengers. The melting pot. For real. (laughs) I mean, truthfully, I'm not familiar with all the characters, Mm -hmm. so I can't really speak too much on that. But obviously, my rage is vast about the fact that there's another Avengers book. Right, absolutely. Uh, but we, <laughs> but we this do... one is they're the, I mean, they're the FF in the sense they're the Avengers when the real Avengers are doing something yeah, else. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind the fact that this book exists mm-hmm. and that there's new characters being used on a team. Like that's not my issue. That's oh, cool. Absolutely. I just want them to be called something else no. so that there's not. That absolutely makes yeah. sense. First thing I wrote down is beyond that it's a good idea, how many Avengers books are too many? Yeah. <laughs> Look, is Secret Avengers really an Avengers book? Avengers Academy yeah. really an Avengers book? Mm-hmm. Young Avengers mm-hmm. really an Avengers book? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. There's just too many. Like, it's, I mean, I understand what they're doing because they're like Avengers teams in different parts of the world, like sort of Batman Incorporated kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I get that. But at the same time, like, just as a reader who tries to read, as many of the titles as possible to keep up with it. It's just really confusing because there's a lot of characters and the titles kind of, it's like, have I read that? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> tell me what the plot is. And maybe I can tell you if I've read that because the titles are all Avengers. Right. So, I mean, that's pretty well my only issue with it. The rest of it sounds awesome. Uh, the other two characters I forgot, the, the writer did talk about too. He said that Falcon is a big part of it and Monica Rambeau, will also be a, a, a big Love part of the book. Uh, former Captain Marvel with a new uh, superhero identity. Bob, this seems like a book that's up your alley. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah. Though I, agree, I do agree with Stephanie, mm-hmm. but I, I don't read all those other Avengers books, so it's right. not nearly as bad for me. But in terms of the marketplace, as we just saw from the numbers, they all sell. Yes. 
if you had blank pages and put Avengers on the cover, it would probably <laughs> sell 25000 at this point. <laughs> it's in a bag. Just buy it. It's Avengers. It'll be worth something. Um, love that these characters are getting some love. I mean, this is the, in some ways, their Brian Wood X-Men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let, let, oh, these characters aren't being used by anybody. Throw them in there. Yeah. Can you see that image? Yeah, absolutely. It's a very cool picture. It's a very cool picture. Uh, you, obviously, you love Luke Cage. Big Luke mm-hmm. Cage fan. Uh, who is this Power Man that's not Luke Cage? Well, there was the Power Man Iron Fist that came out some bit ago. Okay. It's sort of a uh, associate hero, sort of a protege thing. Mm-hmm. It, it, Luke Cage isn't the first Power Man either. We had Kelly Sue on. When right. she was, we were talking about all this. There was, a, there was an, uh, a villain who fought the Avengers, created by the Enchantress way mm-hmm. back when. Uh, when Luke Cage decided to take that name, they ended up in a big fist fight over it. Mm-hmm. He ended up in the Thunderbolts. Okay. It's Eric Jostin who mm-hmm. is there. So this is now another character taking the name. Will Luke not be happy with this guy taking the name? Probably. <laughs> He'll probably get a little angry with them. We've got a nice little grouping of people, men and women, yeah. all sorts of ethnicities. Mm-hmm. Should make a, n- a nice urban book, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's what I assume too. It, it, uh, White Tiger... I mean, there's been a couple of iterations. It's, it's yeah, this, I'm not sure which one is this one. It's the female White Tiger, I believe. I believe it's the the same character that's in that Ultimate Spider-Man show. Obviously, not the same continuity, but that same, the female White Tiger. Uh, there was a male one, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's this, this gem, right? That This necklace that yep. gives them their power. Uh, that's pretty cool. I don't know. I don't know the blue Marvel. Me neither. Yeah. Got me. Uh, so that's going to be, that's cool though. I'm, I'm all up. I'm all for not knowing characters. Steve, what do you think of this ragtag group here? I'm liking it. Yeah. I'm like, this is the first I'm hearing about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm really liking it. Uh, that cover is sick. Yeah. I really, really like the art and, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I like the the idea of the, the misfit group. They're, they're always fun. Yeah. You know? Um, and I was actually just saying, I've been playing, a whole hell of a lot of Marvel heroes Mm -hmm. online and Luke Cage is one of the NPCs. And I was saying to my friend, I was like, I really wish I could play as Luke Cage. And then I started going on about, uh, we started talking about Avengers versus X-Men. And one of the tie-ins that I always recall immediately was that one that focused on Luke Cage Mm. and him leaping out of the um, the helicopter Mm -hmm. at the end. That that was one of the standout issues for me, and that's really the only exposure I've ever had to him, aside from being in that game. And I just this like a presence about him. I just I like him. Yeah, you know I don't even know him and I like him. Mm. So uh, the idea of him being a part of this team and probably probably being the leader, I would imagine. Mm. Oh yeah, definitely. No, yeah, he, he it was, was one of the leaders of the New Avengers when that mm. was going on, do all the Civil War yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think this is a this is a book that that the shelves need. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it would kind of clear up a lot of the the outcries and hullabaloo that seems to always be going on. That you know anybody sneezes or goes the wrong way, the whole internet jumps up and down about it. Uh, this is a good move for for everybody, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, I'm I'm psyched. I didn't know about this ten minutes ago, and now <laughs> I'm like totally throwing it on my pull list. I can always use some more She-Hulk too in my life. Yeah. Totally. Uh, which is awesome. And I like that white tiger design is real nice. Yeah, it, it is really cool. The, the, you know, the Gr- Greg Land's art I can go either way on. I, I like. I think his action is is very dynamic and great. I, sometimes I think his faces are mannequinish and a little posy. Uh, but you know, given Ben of the doubt, I want uh, the the idea of the book. It gives me a distinct you know X Factory vibe to it. Mm. 
definitely. Which I'm, I'm in for that. So I'm very excited about this book, but I agree with everyone sentiment saying, I wish it wasn't called something Avengers. No, I hate the name. Yeah, I do. I mean, it's a, it's a Mighty Avengers is a series they've done several times. It was a series that was running up until a couple of years ago. Uh, but in, I don't think we need another book with the Avengers title. But I just think it would be cool to be talking about a group of people under a new name. Yeah, that there's a new name to toss around. But, but I will say be this: the champions. But I will say this: I would rather have a book called something the Avengers. That's great. That because it has the Avengers now, it that, sells and keeps right. going. Then call it something weird, and, and nobody buys it. And we're, ta- we're we're promoting another series that ends after twelve issues, even though it was great. Well, the defenders, Matt Fraction's exactly, defenders, and exactly. now the fearless defenders that have followed it is yeah. probably going down the same crap hole. Right. So, so you know, I, I would rather have you know if that was called Lady Avengers and it sold twenty thousand more copies, yeah. I'd be like, oh, that name's stupid. But we're going to keep getting the book. So in in the end, that's all I really care about. But yes. The amount of Avengers titles is ridiculous. Maybe they'll end the arc with one of them mentioning that the name is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. And they'll change it. That'll be the start of the second arc. Um, and really quick, this is a very short little story, but uh, you, we were talking about Savage Wolverine before the show started. You, you showed me some very funny panels, <laughs> yeah. which was great. Uh, and that Frank Cho ended his run. Uh, we have a couple issues now of Zeb Wells and Joe Maguera taking over. And then with issue nine, though, uh, after their th- short, I think, guess three-issue run, uh, Jock... Uh, is going Ooh. to be writing and drawing nice. uh, a Savage Wolverine series. Who? Uh, he does the Sorry. covers. <laughs> does the covers for New Avengers. Huh. Uh, he is, you know, he, he was the artist on Snapshot, and he did the first uh, the first arc of Scott Snyder's Detective back before the relaunch. And an incredibly amazingly cool Iron Man poster for Iron Man. 3. Yeah, yes, he did that. Holy Iron Man poster. crap! Yeah. Was that thing cool? He, he's a great artist uh, and a very. I think his style will go very well with Wolverine, but. That, that's it for news. Let's move on from that, and let's start talking about some actual books that came out uh, last week that we really liked. Stephanie, why don't you start us out? I'm sorry. I totally missed things. We're, doing, we're doing Book of the Week, Stephanie. Have you, do, oh, well. Do you want me to explain the segment to you? What? I thought you were forgetting me. That's basically it. Like, you no. told me you were going to forget me. No, I'm not forgetting you. Well, You're going that's... first. Okay, so first of all, I think you guys talked about The Wake last week. Uh, yes, did we you? did. Yep. So I just wanted to say quickly that like, I wrote up a review for it for myself. Just I know you guys did. There was one up on the site. But mm. to me, it was like the perfect first issue. Like I know I spoke really, really highly of Revival number one and said it was like my favorite first issue of 2012. Mm. But this might be my, like, my favorite first issue of like all time. Oh, wow. Was, Whoa. Seriously, it was everything I wanted it to be and more. The mm-hmm. art was fantastic. It was absolutely perfectly paired with, like, Scott Snyder's story. It, like, gave you some hints of other things going on. But then there was also this incredible main story that gave you a little bit about the character while introducing you to the, sc- the scenario and what's going on. And it gave you, like, the exact amount of information that you needed to be intrigued, to want to read more, and to, like, thoroughly enjoy this issue from, like, the first page to last. Mm. And I love the shit out of it. <laughs> awesome. And Quoted. I'm so happy that it's, like, a 10-issue miniseries because I think it's really well-suited to just be, like, a short, self-contained, you know, story. And I'm excited to see where they go with this because I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's basically that. <laughs> How that happened. I loved the shit out of it. Yeah. Talking comics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I have like the worst quotes ever. Worst or best? Plastic bag. It'd just be sound effects. Yeah. Um, <laughs> meow, meow, meow. It was all boom meow, and meow, smash. Meow. 
<laughs> yeah, too bad there's no cats in this. Yeah. Are there? There's sea cats. There's a dolphin. <laughs> I can't make dolphin noises. <laughs> wow. Close. <laughs> no. That dolphin is in pain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's sick. <laughs> Anyways. So next on my list. Um the, comes out today the true lives of the fabulous killjoys. Oh, you read it already? I did. Oh, I hate you. And and I, I'm not entirely... Well, it'll come out today, so not embargoed. Yeah, not embargoed. Um, I, I just give you, like, my general impressions. I think a lot of people are going to love it. <clears throat> and for tons of reasons, but Becky Cloonan's art is fantastic. And yeah. I think it's rad. <laughs> I'm not going to listen to My Chemical Romance's, like, prequel music because I draw a line somewhere. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's pretty cool. The Black Parade cool. was good. I like that the, 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 I, the album this is not based on, but the... You oh, know, there's a... I didn't know that. There's I don't mind some of their stuff, but, like, I mean... Yeah, it no. was the follow-up to... I can't listen to them, okay. like, from for, like, three hours straight. I know the albums well, aren't that long and be dramatic, but whatever. 45-minute <laughs> long album. <laughs> it doesn't do it six times in a row. This is my book um, of the week segment. Be quiet. Yeah. The book... Uh, the album came out, like, Two years, three years ago. It two did. Years ago. What yeah. is the, the I know that name? one the true song lives, is the fabulous kill that, na, na, oh, shit. Na, na, okay. na, 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 yeah, that song. Na, na. Wow. <laughs> the worst. Anyways, the book's really good. That song, the worst. True story. <laughs> I'm totally going to listen to it now. <laughs> Just I'm moving on. Mm-hmm. Anyways, very, very quickly, X Factor. Uh, interested in see where this is going. The issue seemed like, I felt like it was like five pages long. It just went by really quickly. <laughs> Is that a good um, thing? Was you really enjoying it? So that I went... I, maybe that's it. That's totally it. When time flies, when you're having fun, right? Correct. Probably? Yes. You make you asking me? Make, I'm the only one who knows. I'm the only one who knows that saying. Yeah. <laughs> Did I say it right? You coined no, okay. that, correct? Anyways. Yeah, it's yours. Put a trademark yeah. on that. <laughs> no, I so. agree. It did seem to go by very quickly. It's very much in the breaking points. Yeah. aspect where you, you're focused here in this case on, on Layla and mm-hmm. Jamie Madrox, who's got some problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's to say. I really wish it was an ending. I really, <laughs> really some do. demons, you could say. Yes. <laughs> oh, nicely done. <laughs> Thank you. I'm uh, That was my, my plan this week, past weekend, was to read all the X Factor that I'm, I don't, I, I've, uh, the whole uh, Hell on Earth thing well, to read you're gonna love it uh because I, I, I read the first two issues and i was and i just like reading his stuff in in big chunks so i, I clicked it but then i got this daredevil hole this weekend and it just didn't end i read like 30 issues of daredevil this week so wow. it was it, the x factor got lost in that shuffle sorry Stephanie. i don't want to distract from your book of the week segment it's okay it's okay it's okay it's cool it's cool right. it's totally cool i'm gonna talk some more then no go <laughs> all right so last week i wasn't on the show i was just like feeling really crappy so um these are a couple books that I wrote reviews for on the site, but I kind of wanted to address um, on the show as well. No. And uh, no. they're from Comixology's She's new right Comixology yeah, Submit. I oh, know, yeah, Comixology Submit, which is a really... Comixology Submit is a really cool thing. I don't, we talked about it a little bit. What is that exactly? Uh, this, is a, this is kind of... Well, you know, like on iTunes, you can, any artist can submit an album, and you know, iTunes will put it up, and they take a, a 30% cut, and this every cent goes to you, and you you can just submit, and it goes up. And Comixology started a program exactly like that for oh. creators. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it, it's pretty cool. So I've been reading some of the books that people have been putting out, and I've been really pleasantly surprised. I mean, 
obviously it's a really mixed bag of things. Some of them are really bad, but for the most part, the ones that I've read have been really, really surprisingly fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard of a few of them before, but you know, they're either comics that you have to get at like a con, order online, or get digitally. So it's been kind of one of those things that have been hard to get into. Um, but anyways, the first one I, well, the first one I'm going to talk about is one called Bikini Cowboy that I, I, I believe his name is L. Frank Weber or Weber, Weber. Okay. Um, and on the cover, it's a girl in a bikini in a desert holding a surfboard. And I was like, what am I getting into? <laughs> like, do I really want to read this? And I decided to try it because it just, I don't know, I, I took a chance on it. And it's fantastic. Like, seriously, so great. Um, basically, it's this girl, Whiskey Jill. And uh, she's a cowgirl in the wild, wild west. And um, she just, you, you don't really know what her mission is. And you kind of just come in, get introduced to her while she's on this, I don't know, excursion, adventure, quest. What's those, are, those are all words. <laughs> Anyways, whatever. With surfing. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. You don't really understand what the surfboard's purpose is. And, like, they make fun of it quite a bit. And they're like, why do you have a surfboard? And she's like, for surfing, duh. But, like, I mean, they're in a desert. And they're like, uh-huh. And, I mean, it gets explained eventually. Spoiler alert. But, um, Gosh. despite the fact that she's just a bikini cowboy, like, literally, she's a bikini cowboy. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. It's just such a fun story, and it's so such a unique take on you know the western. And I love the character, and it's the art is all kind of sketchy. It's there's no inking to it. It's just shading and pencils, and yet it's absolutely beautiful. It kind of reminds me of um, from Toy Story, uh, Jessie. Yeah. Oh. She's very very uh, like that character in terms of how she deals with things she's very bubbly she's very outgoing and she's very sweet but she's also you know tough and i just really enjoyed it it surprised me and i really want everyone to check it out because it's great so bikini cowboy guys look (laughs) for it comiXology submit yeah and uh the whole first volume uh which is 377 pages is 5.99 yeah i read it in like a couple hours and it was so worth it yeah Hmm. And that's seriously a ludicrous price to pay. <laughs> in a good way, cheap. you mean? Yeah. 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 Okay. In a <laughs> good way. Ludicrous. Go. <laughs> <That's> ridiculous. <laughs> I'm over it. I'm out. All right. So I spoke about Becky Cloonan with the True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys, and another thing I read on Comics All You Submit, and I'll talk about briefly, is Wolves. Um, just a short little like Zine comic that is basically about werewolves, kind of um, about a hunter who's been sent out to hunt out one specific uh werewolf that's you know plaguing the kingdom <laughs> <laughs> i don't know is that a thing to werewolves yes, like kingdoms? whatever anyways you're it's, very funny because sometimes you say things that make no sense and you just keep going and then when you say things that make sense you're like does that make sense <laughs> Shut up. the opposite way your brain works <laughs> i know i don't i i don't know whatever anyways it's really great um I talked about Demeter. I did a review of it. I'm not sure if I talked about it on the show or not. You did, but, yeah. Um, it's very similar in the sense that it's subtle horror. Mm-hmm. Um, it's scary, and you're not entirely sure why, because Becky Cloonan only gives you like little bits and pieces 
of the story and she gives you hints about what's going on behind the scenes. But the really interesting thing about, you know, even Demeter and this is that it's largely left up to your imagination. Um, the art's there, the characters are there, that's all given to you. And what kind of happens before and after is, you know, something that you can discuss with your friends and other people that have read the book and just have, it's, I find that Donnie Darko is one of those movies that you can watch and just have like these wildly crazy conversations with people with about. Mm-hmm. And that's what Wolves is like to me. One of those books that you can discuss and everyone will have a different interpretation of it. Um, Interesting. It's, it's really enjoyable. And again, Becky Cloonan, if you're not familiar with her art is just amazing and it's worth reading just for that alone. Um, she has a new site app. I believe it's called the warehouse.ca, but it's W E R E. So um, she's selling that there as well as Demeter. And I believe the Meyer and some of her other stuff too. And Carl uh, uh, Kershaw, um, who does the abominable Charles Christopher is, has his stuff on that site as well as does uh, Andy Belanger. So um, it's now a one-stop shop for lots of cool Canadian creators. So that. Just so everybody knows, uh, the, the Meyer and uh, uh, Wolves are both on Comicsology Submit, obviously, and they're both only 99 cents. Yes. So wow. two Becky Cloon things, 99 cents. They're Great. really awesome. And even if you run into her at a convention, she sells them for really cheap, um, just like little zines of them. And they're fantastic. Seriously worth buying. I highly, highly recommend them. She's t- I actually don't think Demeter's out until a couple weeks from now, but she's taking pre-orders for them on the site. Um, and then quickly, I have two more things that you want to talk about. I know I'm monopolizing You're the fine. time. But um, Chloe Noonan, Monster Hunter by Mark Ellerby is my new favorite comic. It's so funny. It's this girl who... It's kind of like, it's like Ghost World meets, I don't know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But this girl, she has like no monster hunting skills whatsoever. And somehow she's managed to become a monster hunter. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of a hipster and she doesn't really care about life. And she's in a band and she goes to like college. And I don't really know how to describe it other than kind of that. Uh, she fights things and then you kind of get insight into her life outside of monster hunting and it's just great it's funny it's sweet the art's cool and yeah i laughed like my whole way through it mm-hmm. and that's also on comiXology submit and so so worth checking out it's the digital omnibus yeah 499 so, thank you bobby <sighs> and the very oh last God. thing i'm gonna mention i know steve's like <sighs> i need an ipad damn it <laughs> oh well yes we told you that like a year ago yes. though <sighs> I want to be able to customize my my device. It's just so damn clunky. It's, I don't really think uh, it is. Wait, no, 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 not the iPad. The iPad is what I want. The one, yeah. that, the Galaxy Tab that I have. <laughs> it's just so it does not respond well with Comicsology. I have a Comicsology mm. account. I don't use it because the few times I've tried to use it, it just. The page turning doesn't work. The hmm. uh, magnification of certain panels doesn't work. It just does not work. Hmm. So, well, get an iPad. What? So get an <laughs> iPad. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. It's true. All right. Um, anyways, the very last thing I'll talk about before, uh, you know, moving on. But I have oh two God. weeks worth of books, to be fair. 
Wow. Um, yeah, because it's our fault you weren't here last year. Last week. Or no, last year. <laughs> Don't take your anger out on me, Bobby. If we go back, she might not have been. I think so. Ooh. <laughs> you know what? Let's, Just... let's go to the big board. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, be quiet. <laughs> Finish your book already. I have stuff to talk about, too. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, you were complaining oh. about last week's marathon, as yeah. I recall, young lady. I wasn't. <laughs> All right, anyways, be quiet. So, my last book of the week is Moth City. And I, Tim Gibson is the name of the guy who does it. I'm pretty sure he writes and uh, illustrates it. But it's kind of this um, futuristic drug story. Like, it's the first issue kind of takes place around this drug trade gone bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, the plot, it's a great book to read, but... The whole reason it's so awesome is because of how it's presented. Um, the review for this just went up last night, and um, it, it was one of the most interesting digital experiences I've ever had. I think it's the future of digital comics. Um, obviously, it's a lot of work because what happens is as you're going through the pages, it doesn't just kind of scroll through. Like, if you guys have an iPad or any tablet, as you're going through, like, on a book program or for comiXology, mm-hmm. it looks like you're leafing through. Right, yeah. Um, but this book, it's almost cinematic. It just kind of lays things out like a motion comic, and every time you, you know, press forward, a different panel will show up, and then the word bubble will show up, mm-hmm. and it lays things out the way it's meant to be read. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's not dumbing it down. It just makes it a really interesting experience because you're not looking ahead to what's going to come and what's happening. But it's still laid out like a traditional comic book page. You know, there's several panels, but they're being given to you in bits and pieces. And sometimes, um, you know, just the way that they lay things out, it'll it'll be one full picture on the page and you click and then that picture's gone and a panel has like sprung up or it's halved itself and I don't really know how else to describe it by kind of just you have to look at it to experience it but it's something that I really truly believe that everyone should experience um it's actually for free I mean it's on comiXology submit and I really encourage everyone to pay for it because it's it's worth it but it's also on Mark Wade's Thrillbent site Mm -hmm. so you can read it there for free and there's several issues up now but it's the way digital comics should be and you know the future of how they can be and i know it's a lot of work because you have to get like developers and people to kind of put these together as opposed to just doing the pages and swiping through but it's a really interesting format and it's really great for new readers to comics i mean this one isn't particularly i think friendly to brand new comic readers but at the same time for like an all-ages story for an everyone's story it's so great because it shows you pretty well how you're supposed to be reading this comic and it kind of inadvertently teaches you how to get through a normal one if right. you're new to it because it can be overwhelming, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'd say when I first started getting back into comics, uh, part of the reason was why because DCC was putting all their books out digitally on the iPad first and this, the guided view technology that Comicsology has really kind of trained me the order of panels to look in and this is like the next step above uh that in a lot of ways and a lot of people i talk to like a lot of friends i talk to go when i open a comic book i don't like always know where to look 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think I think we underestimate that uh, because we're so into all of it. Oh, I still get confused. You know, I mean, yeah. there's definitely times where I read the wrong yeah. panel. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have read that one. I gotta go back. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's just hard to figure out, and yeah. I think this is just mm-hmm. such a user friendly way for people to be able to jump onto comics and get it right yeah. away. Yeah. The uh, Marvel did this a couple times with uh well mark wade actually wrote the first one which was the avx infinite books which were the companion tablet only books he did the, they did a nova one uh mm. and it was the same thing like you would you would you would go and you would scroll through the the uh, the pages and elements of the panel would show up as you swipe so you know nova would be uh farther back and then he'd be closer up and then his and then you'd swipe and then his dialogue bloom would come up you know, Ooh. very cool. Like the stars would come in, you know, and stuff. Very interesting. Sometimes very powerful mm-hmm. s- uh, story. Very much tool. like a motion comic, except you're controlling the pace in which exactly. things are happening. Yeah, it's it's absolutely fantastic, and I think everyone should at least experience one of these comics mm-hmm. because I think people should encourage these kind of comics to happen. It's such a neat experience. Yeah, it's it so, very, it very cool. I just, I mean, Moth City. The story is great, and I mean, I, I liked what I read and I want to read more, but the main thing that I loved about it was how interactive it was. Yeah. So that is my book of the week, and I think everyone should go check it out. And the other books that are on Comixology Submit, so... Yeah. Uh, the the first two volumes of Mouth City are on Com- Comixology. The first one's 99 cents, uh, 168 pages, and the second one's 210 pages for ninety nine. Yeah. So mm-hmm. very very good deals. I mean, obviously they're a little bit smaller pages because they're, they're they're meant they're iPad size pages instead of uh, you know full comic book size pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these are all so reasonably priced for you guys. Yeah. And I mean, considering you're taking a leap of faith on a lot of these books that you haven't otherwise heard of from like aside from like us or some other review sites, mm-hmm. I really really recommend you know checking these out because mm-hmm. it's encouraging new writers and readers and creators to come out of the woodworks and produce these amazing titles for us to check out and kind of give us breathers in between all the like regular superhero stuff that we have not have to read but we do read and it's really awesome so please support these people and check out some of these comics cool awesome uh steve (laughs) what do you got for us well i got a 30 minutes later (laughs) yeah really no it's fine it's all good it's all stuff that i want to read i just wish i had a better digital device to do that (laughs) i'll get an ipad (laughs) so i had uh i had a bit of a bad week with comics where i read a lot of stuff that i read it i I read it and it was gone and it was just done i Mm -hmm. was feeling very burnt out the last two weeks i think that that green lantern run really (laughs) kind of knocked the wind out of me uh, I had gone and I read a novel. Uh, I actually finished the novel, Heart Shaped Box, by Joe Hill. And one of our listeners actually ended up picking it up and bringing it with them on a trip they were taking. So I'd be very curious to hear their uh, comments about it when they come home. But I did finish it, and I'm happy to say that it was very good. It ended very, very well. Uh, he did not take the easy way out, mm-hmm. and I was so thankful for that. Because it would have been very easy to go one way, and it went another, and it, it ended very nicely. So there's always the chance that you're reading something really great, and then it just kind of peters out at the end, and then you're kind of like, oh, well, okay. Right. Um, very satisfying. Very cool. So 
Uh, in my adventures the last couple of weeks, I picked up a couple of books, and one of the books that I picked up is called Brain Camp by Susan Kim uh, with art by Faith Aaron Hicks after Stephanie was talking about her on the podcast <laughs> before the last one, because mm-hmm. uh, so I actually read stuff that she suggests. <laughs> and uh, oh, I also read The Adventures of Superhero Girl, which was... Which is so delightful. Yes. <laughs> Adventures of Superhero Girl, I liked a lot. I'm going to have to pick up my own copy of that at some point. I borrowed mine from Bob. It took a couple of comics for me to get with it, but once I did, I just wanted more and more and more of it. And I, my only complaint about it is that it was too damn short. I wanted, monocled bear? Anyone? Monocled yeah, bear? Monocled yeah, monocled bear was pretty monocled. damn cool. I had forgotten all about him, and then when he showed up, I was like, oh, damn, there he is. <laughs> Fucking I monocle know. bear. See, my words about him didn't do him justice, did they? No. no. Did well, they? how could you do justice for monocle bear by talking about it? <laughs> Would you say? You're I'm ruining than the right average now. bear. <laughs> God. <laughs> so... Uh, Brain Camp. I'm just going to be quiet now. Brain Camp was one of those books. You ever read a comic book? This is for all of you and our listeners. You ever read a comic book and you feel as if, like, whole parts of the plot or even panels or pages are missing? And you, you, you're on one page and then you turn the page and you're in a completely different place, completely different conversation. And you're just wondering, where the hell did they buck me out of the scene and all of a sudden this is happening? Mm-hmm. This is one of those books where I was enjoying aspects of it, but at the same time, I felt like there was so much missing from it that there was even one strange event that I still can't wrap my brain around. I have this bookmarked. There's a character in this book that disappears from the story. Literally, they're gone. It's definitive that they're not in the story at the moment. In, on the very next page, you see them in the background in two different panels, just as you would see them normally, just doing regular getting lunch or, you know, playing softball or whatnot. No frame of reference as to what they're still doing in the story when they're supposed to be missing, supposed to be gone. And it was not it was not another person that just happened to look like that person. Anyway, I should probably tell you the premise mm. of the story before I go much farther with it. Uh, it's about two kids that their parents feel like they're not living up to their potential, and they end up sending them to this camp that essentially is supposed to, over the summer, make your children much smarter than they are. It turns out to be that it's a camp for gathering specimens or hosts for an alien race of chickens. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Because that's what you do. It's reasonable. When yes. you need, you know. So there's all kinds of weird uh, hijinks going on and, you know, uh, butting of heads between personalities, between the different uh, campers and whatnot. It's enjoyable enough. You get a, a couple of laughs out of it, and it's it's really intriguing at parts. But like I said, there were pieces of it missing that I felt were vital to the full enjoyment of the book. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in a while, I felt like my having misgivings about the book wasn't my fault, that I wasn't being too harsh on it, that it was just shit was missing. Yeah. Strange. So Brain Camp by Susan Kim. If you want to check it out, you want to read it, you find it somewhere, and you want to explain it to me and fill in the gaps, uh, you're more than welcome to do that. The only only time I think uh, that style is appropriate is when the author and the creators are intentionally trying to make you get a sense of unease or a sense of right. of uh, loss of reality 
You, you know, I've seen writers and creators do that to great effect. It's just, if it's just poor plotting or poor explanation, then that's one thing. The only time you ever, I think, ever seem to be acceptable is when they're trying to give this thing of almost trippiness to it, you know, right. where I don't know what's real and what's fake or, you know, something's wrong with my brain, something like that. Right. I mean, it came out in 2010. It's a very, very to be continued. Okay. It's number one. It has number one on the side. But there, there's no mention of a, there being another. And it just, it ends radically different than it began. And you just, it's one of those things that you don't even know how it got there. Mm-hmm. So very, very strange read. Yeah. Um, I was going to talk about X Factor. Stephanie mentioned it. I am so sad that this story, this uh, series is ending. I'm okay, gonna have you're to go all back caught up on it now, right? I No, I totally am. And I'm loving it. And I really, really liked the issue. And I agree with you that it went really fast. Right? Like, like I, picked, it just, I realized that it was like the right amount of pages and stuff. But I feel like I split through five pages and then it was done. It doesn't feel like it's ending to me. Like it doesn't feel like the finale. It's one of six. This is these are the closing mm. moments, and I just feel like there's so much left to do with these characters and and with the story. And I know that Peter said, like the the Hell on Earth was the last great big adventure that he wanted to write for these characters, and it's totally his call. Mm. But I would not be opposed to them <laughs> taking this in another direction and bringing this team. So long as it's done well mm-hmm. to other places, I think yeah. it would be great. Completely. Uh, it's kind of like grown-up Runaways. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it really is. It's like what Runaways could have been had they, you know, not put it on an indefinite hiatus. Like, right. it, I love the characters, and they're just such a misfit Man. bunch of people, and it sucks that they're... Peter David know, would be great to bring the Runaways back. I never even That never <laughs> even occurred to me. Um, and a little fun fact about Marvel Heroes, because I'm going to mention it at least two more times tonight. <laughs> you can actually you have you can have pets in the game, and one of them is Old Lace from the Runaways. Don't talk about it to me because apparently it doesn't work on Mac, which is bullshit. You got to run like a boot camp Windows partition or something. I did, however, claim Hello Cookie as my username. Nice. So whenever that shit happens, I've already claimed it. It'll come to Mac eventually. I will I say real it. quick about the game. Yeah. I uh, it's free to play. There's like five like five heroes I think that yeah. you, the, the starter pack that, that you can play for free. And any character after that that you were originally allowed to pick is um, six hundred points. Yeah, oh, but some that you get there are drops too because I I, yeah. I started out as uh, Scarlet Witch, right? Uh, who's cool, but I'm not really. It's a little boring for me to play two, two characters that are only range, and right. she's only a range character. Only you know she's her magic stuff. She was cool, so I, I was like I want to get in their character. Uh, the star characters are Scarlet Witch, Black Panther, Daredevil, uh, The Thing. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, think Black Panther. Is no, but he? yeah, I think he is. Yeah, hmm. I'm pretty sure he. I think uh, they might have randomized a couple of characters because mm-hmm. there were ones that Brennan was able to select that I wasn't. Gotcha. He had Black Widow. I didn't. Oh, interesting. Oh. Okay. interesting. Okay, so I like the idea of Scarlet Witch though. Like that seems really powered cool. up. By the way, like her and all new X Men. Yeah, yeah, she's awesome. She's great. I just not the type of character I like. Really, yeah, no, playing. it's totally a preference. Thing. Yeah. So what I, but I do like some range. So I ended up buying because uh, you can buy other characters, and they're they're some are some are not that expensive. Some are a little bit like Iron Man's like twenty dollars. Uh, Spider Man, Iron Man, and, and, and Deadpool. Uh, Deadpool are twenty bucks. Yeah, wow. shocker. Uh, yeah. But I bought uh, I bought Captain America. And Shocker. and I bought Cyclops actually both of them for twenty dollars total. Oh, you lucky bastard! Uh, 
I, but I've been playing. Why is he a lucky bastard? You can buy it too, Steve. Yeah. I know. I, I I already bought Miss Marvel. Yeah. Did you get the Captain Marvel costume? It's nine bucks. Yeah, I know. Just for it's a skin. Wow. It's yeah. a skin. I know, but it looks like it's the Kelly it Sue. Looks, like, no, it looks McAuley. fantastic. It's completely mm. my. I don't mean to derail you, but That's my okay. my thing about the game that I absolutely love it is buggy it plays buggy, more yeah. like yeah. a beta than a full game there are things in it that are obviously missing i know that but it feels like a proper it, it's diablo 2 yeah with marvel characters but the thing that's so great about it is it is so official and there yeah. are so many yeah. winks and nods and characters that show up as npcs mm-hmm. and insider things there's all the sound effects even the motions of your characters, these tiny little avatars that when they block, they block the way that I've seen them block yeah. in the pages of the comics. Like Miss mm-hmm. Marvel, she does that thing that Wonder Woman kind of does where she crosses her, her yeah. arms yeah. into an X and kind of braces herself with her back leg put out. That's exactly what happens. The uppercut into the mm-hmm. to the beam and everything. Yeah. Um, her Right now I have her at level 24. Oh, wow. Uh, she's a badass. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, you don't want to come near me. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But the, uh, the, I was going to say, too, playing, playing Captain America is awesome. Uh, and there are just these moments. Now, he's great because you can throw your shield, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but you can also punch. So when you get close, you're, you're doing hand-to-hand combat. And ricochets. Yeah, and there are these moments. That, there are just a couple of moments I have where I'm fighting this, rain, this group of enemies, and I throw my shield like through these two mm-hmm. guys, mm-hmm. and then I start, I start punching the guy that's around mm-hmm. me, and the shield comes back in the same path which you throw it like towards yeah. you, so it hits the other guys on the way back, <laughs> and then I grab my shield, and the other guy's coming at me, and I shield bash him down, yep. and it just fe- I feel like I'm Captain America, but all, I'm all uh-huh. doing is clicking a button, but it you know it's great uh i've got a lot of button it's a great button it's it's a really really good um like for things for as far as comic book things go this is my comic book thing of the week is this game but it's your thing of the week yeah my thing of the week so it's just it really does make you feel like you're and it's really cool i didn't i wasn't too crazy about the party system at first that anybody could just join you Mm. in into your thing but then i kind of got used to it yeah that I love the idea of somebody just coming along. And there's been a lot of camaraderie Mm -hmm. between people, uh, people dropping items for one another, just giving me uh, things. Mm -hmm. I've made a lot of friends on there and just, you can't trade why there's no trade feature yet. It's beyond me, but Mm -hmm. you have to just drop things on the ground and hope that you could pick it up before somebody else. does. (laughs) I did something yesterday where I totally picked up two items and ran away from somebody (laughs) And oh, I realized, creep. no, I realized what I did. I was like, wait a minute, were they trading? And I actually felt so bad that I ran back to them and I dropped the two items that I picked up <laughs> and I dropped additional items that I had for that character to make up for it. And I yeah. messaged them. I was like, I'm so sorry. Mm. And they're like, dude, it's no big deal. And I'm like, yeah, yeah but, you know, <laughs> there's got to be people like me around to be honest about it and yeah. shit. Were you playing as a superior Spider-Man? You know, you have a flash of <laughs> um, Peter in your head or something? But, Bob, you, you would love to know this. Uh, you can choose the future Foundation costumes for both the Thing and, and Spider-Man oh, in yeah. the game. And I believe that uh, Sue is uh, going to be a, another player in the game. Cool. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to add, add a lot of heroes in. Yeah. But uh, the thing I, you know, Daredevil was in my starter pack, and I didn't pick him. I picked uh, Scarlet Witch. But after I played, like, the first or second mission, I got the character yeah. as a drop. So, uh, you know, it added to my roster yeah, without the having to pay for it. it. Yeah. And you can, you oh. can farm those. You can get those later in the game. You oh. have to beat the game first, and then there's going to be, there's those... 
little computer towers, the purple, green, blue, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, there's going to be daily events and missions cool. that you can go on that if you complete them, they will reward you with things. You can also retcon all yeah. of your yeah. things. I love that they call it. They, yeah. When you want to respec your powers, you, it's called a retcon. Yeah. I love it. All right. All right. All right. Back Real to quick. comics. Real quick. Back to comics. Sorry, guys. It's all right. Um, my book of the week is uh, a book from Brian Wood and with art by Ryan Kelly, uh, black and white. It's called The New York Five. And it's funny. It's my favorite book of the week. I didn't necessarily love the book. I didn't love the story, but I loved all of the things that it invoked from me and the things that it reminded me of. It's called The New York Five, and what it is is it's four girls living in an apartment that they all go to NYU. It's Mm -hmm. either their freshman year, sophomore year. They all live together, and it's one of those – we mention this every now and again on the show, but it's a very much a slice-of-life book, but a slice-of-life inside of New York City is a very interesting and and crowded thing. So you get – Four different stories, five really, if you want to count the fifth member. But um, it's crazy. It's just, it's one of those books that you start reading it and everybody's situation appears normal and appears to be just another person in the city. And then by the time that you reach it, it's only one semester has passed. So probably about three, three and a half months. And to realize just how much each one of their lives has changed and where they stand at the end of this story is really something. Mm-hmm. And well, it's, yep. Oh, I was just going to say, I read it as well. And um, it's actually a sequel. Is it? Yeah. Ooh. So if it didn't make sense to you, cause like, I was like, I liked it. Like I have the same sort of feelings about that book as you did. And like, I liked it. But then mm. I was like, I felt like there was something missing. Right. Mm. Well, that and, was, Oh, go on. Yeah, and it's because it's a sequel. I believe I might be wrong on this, but I believe the, New York the Four? original is like the New York Four. I, it's funny because oh. when I bought it, I bought it in Canada. When I saw it on the shelf, there was in Canada. You know, it's a really big country. You're allowed to say like Ottawa. It was Ontario. <laughs> anyway, actually, no, it wasn't. It was Toronto. You yeah. were in Toronto when you didn't come hang out with me? I've like, been in Toronto a lot and didn't come to hang out with you. Oh, You're shit. literally the worst. <laughs> so, I'm so kidding. I'm in Toronto for like 20 minutes and a pop. <laughs> anyway, uh, and we are going to make plans. I will talk to you about that off air. So, <laughs> But one of the cool things about New York 5, I will now have to go check mm-hmm. out New York 4, is regardless of not being able to attach myself to the characters, because that was my main beef, was that these major things happened, and I felt like I didn't have enough time to connect myself, especially to one event that happened where I was just kind of like, all right, it happened, Mm -hmm. and I don't really... Not that I didn't care, but I didn't feel for (laughs) it. And I know that they wanted me to, and I just couldn't. Mm -hmm. But the cool thing about this book is... All the places that they visit, they're in Williamsburg, they're in Park Slope, they're in Red Hook, mm-hmm. they're, you know, at concert venues that I go to all the time that, you know, they go to get iced coffee at a place where I sat down to have coffee two months ago. Uh, they walk the streets that Bob and I walked when we went to go and hang out with Melissa in the city. Yay, I love her. <laughs> She's the best. <laughs> and it was so cool because regardless of... They're also they're in that they're in that 
they're part of that generation. Like they're, they're our generation. They're hanging out where we hang out. Mm. They listen to the music that we listen to the posters on the walls, you know, Nirvana, Weezer, Mm. uh, Nick cave, like all these, Mm. all these cool, uh, influences. And throughout the book, Brian Wood leaves almost like a, like a pop up video type thing of when he introduces a part of town, he'll give you advice as to where to go and what to do in that part of the city. So it's like, if you want to get the best iced coffee, you go here, here, or here. And if you want to get, you know, the best kind is the one in the unmarked cup. Mm. You can go to Dunkin' Donuts, you can go to wherever, but you want to go to this place. And I've been to that place. Mm -hmm. That's where I go to get coffee when I'm in Brooklyn. And it was just so cool to see that on the page. And Ryan Kelly's artwork uh, is gorgeous. Just gorgeous. It's got a... It's very realistic, very, you know, inner city, but it's still got a little bit of a, like a manga, manga mm-hmm. vibe to it. Um, very cool. I mean, particularly if you're from New York or visited New York and you've kind of walked around the city and you know what it feels like to be in the city, you will feel like you're in the city while reading this book. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So that was New York 5, Brian Wood. So prob- but probably check out New York 4 before you read it. Yeah. yeah. There you New York 3. You don't, like, have, you don't to. have to, but like, I think both Steve and I kind of felt like there was a bit of something like unspoken that had happened already, yeah. but they don't really talk about it. And that's why. Yeah. If it's important to you to, to round out the characters and to get the full story, I would most definitely look into, I wonder if I had read that along with this, if I had had more of an affection for it, because mm-hmm. what I, like I said, what I really loved was the atmosphere and being around these places and being with these characters, regardless of whether I liked them or not. Right. I liked going through this story in familiar territory. Mm-hmm. So actually I just quickly Googled it. So, um, New York four is on Amazon, Brian Wood, Ryan Kelly, eight ninety nine. What? <laughs> there you go. Well, so I might have to come FYI. back on and talk about it in a couple weeks. All right. So it's, it's actually billed as the ultimate insider's guide to NYC through the eyes of Brooklyn born and then the characters. There you go. So, there you go. All right. Yep. Now, let me just ask when you saw New York 4 on the shelf next to it. What I thought, yeah, no, what I thought was it was an individual, it wasn't the whole trade. Oh, they came in, like I said, almost like, like manga-ish okay. individual things. Oh, gotcha. uh, and to be fair, I had about five whole minutes in this great, <laughs> great, great store. And it was just one of those things where I knew we had to hit the road. And I, I wanted something. Mm-hmm. I saw Brian Wood and I thumbed through it really quick. And I saw all the, like, you know, I saw Williamsburg. I saw mm-hmm. all these places. And I like they go to they go to a concert. I think they go to like the Knitting Factory or something. And I'm like, holy shit. You yeah, know, like yeah. I, I order drinks there. Yeah. And, but they don't. They don't actually ever really say that this is like the sequel, or they don't say this is issues five to right. nine of whatever. Like it doesn't uh, say okay. that. Yeah, because right. I picked up the, I picked it up thinking the exact same thing that it was like a one off. Right, and they don't really, you know. Like, and as I was kind of looking into it later, they were like, "Oh, this is the sequel to this," and I was like, "Oh, well, that's a thing." Yeah, I mean, my train of thought when I picked this up, and I, in hindsight, I don't know why the hell I thought this, knowing everything I know about comics, but. I thought perhaps the individuals were the f- the four, and then the everything collected the was, was the yeah. New York Five. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, it could be. It's a stretch. It's a stretch. It's a stretch. But, but you know, yeah. could have been New York one, two, hey, three, at, four, five. At least I liked this enough that since the other one is is such a modest mm. price, that I will probably pick it up to complete the story and reread probably. this. Have you seen your weekly hauls? I feel like that's a yet yeah, definitely. <laughs> 
<laughs> the, uh, the, the, the money tree ain't uh, as, as fruitful as it used to be these days, Stephanie. You'd never know that from my polls, but... Uh, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Well, I work at the shop. I, wor- I work off a lot of those books. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Real he hard. He does, yeah. We <laughs> have to be um, a New York Six. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. Um, so we'll move on. Uh, Sorry, I took the, forever, too. No, it's all right. I'll go, and then, Bob, you're going to close this out, okay? Sure. I want to say real quick, we had a couple listeners uh, write in to ask us about specific books. Uh, Brandon Boone on Facebook asked about Swamp Thing 21. I don't know if anybody else read it. I read it. I read it. You read it? Oh, wait. Is that the new, new one? The newest one. They oh, I read out. 20. Okay, As yeah. opposed to just the new old one? It's the new, new. It's the new, new. Uh, he, he, uh, he says, I love the new artists, and for my money, it's the best book out right now. Uh, I will say this. I mean, it's not my favorite book on the stands right now, but I think that what uh, Charles, I think his name is Soul. Soul. It's how you say it, Soul, uh, has done a great job of, in the first two issues, I like that he took it in a drastically different direction than the Scott Snyder stuff, made it a little, it wasn't lighthearted, but definitely had more of a superhero feeling to it. It, it was a good palate cleanser mm-hmm. from the, the the very specific tone that Snyder was doing in, in his run on Swamp Thing. Uh, issue 21 is, is interesting because it takes it back a little more closely to that tone, it takes us back to a remote area, a uh, mysterious, probably dangerous woman asking for Swamp Thing's help. And deals more with the Parliament of the Green and you know uh, the, the history of the Swamp Things. We get some more c- cool uh, like a- rant, like access to memories of the, the, the past avatars of the Green during the Salem Witch Trials. Actually, uh, I'm not sure if it's Salem, but it's definitely Witch Trials. Uh, I think it's very very good. You know, uh, it's I don't even think about I don't even think about dropping it. We're three issues into it now, I believe, and I'm not even my, I don't even think about it when it when it comes out. Uh, been three months now. Uh, the artist who it's it started off as Kano, but has is changed. Um, Actually, just check right here. The artist is Jesus uh, Size. Uh, I think that's how you say his name. And uh, it was great. You know, it's it's very much in line with the way that Swamp Thing has looked pretty much since the relaunch. Uh, of the story the same kind of uh, interesting panel design and the colors are beautiful you know very different color palettes uh, I, I think it's very very good uh he also asked see if you want to chime in yeah i was actually going to mention i'm trying to find the name of the store but uh alescott uh, and charles uh, soul yeah uh they will be june 26th inside of brooklyn they will be at a comic book shop uh, doing a discussion on the Strange Attractors yeah. story that just came out mm-hmm. and uh, Alesha's story, Change, mm-hmm. which I've read twice and still do not understand. <laughs> so uh, it's June 26th. I will get the name of it and we'll post it uh, in the show notes. But uh, I am going to be there. So if anybody would like to meet up or join us or whatever, uh, I'm definitely going to go and check it out. They're going to be cool. taking questions, doing signings, and uh, I think it'd just be cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Stephanie, have you been reading any of the post Snyder Swamp Thing stuff? Not yet. Um, I read the first issue after it, mm-hmm. but um, I didn't get a chance to read anything else. And I was actually sorry, just looking up that discussion that you were talking about. And um, it's Bergen Street Comics. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. found it. Oh yeah, four seventy Bergen Street, Brooklyn. Yeah. Brooklyn. Well, speaking of books that are very New York based, that Strange Attractors book that Charles sold out is very, very New York book so uh uh 
And we also, uh, Luke uh, Hensiker wrote and asked what we thought about the first post-Jeff Johns Green Lantern issue. Uh, I know both Steve and I read that as well. Uh, uh, What I expected picking it up was it to be much like this, the first Swamp Thing issue, a, 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 ch- a change of palate cleanser, something that takes us away from the kind of the tone and tenor of the John stuff into like this new era. But for me, very much what Robert Venditti did was pretty much keep uh, the, the same tone, the same kind of status quo. Mm. Uh, and I, after reading it, you know, looking back on it, it's probably the wisest move. It, we've been basically 10 straight years of Jeff John's Green Lantern work to radically strike out differently in the first issue would probably have been a mistake. It probably would have turned more people off than it would have, would have brought in. And I think it's probably better for him to do this kind of base and then move away as he goes along. Uh, I thought it was a solid issue, but if you would put Jeff John's name on the cover, I would have believed he wrote it. Now that's a bad thing. Cause Jeff John's a great writer. Uh, Steve, what did you think? <laughs> exactly the same thing. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like word for word. Exactly oh, wow. the same okay. thing. I, but I, it's also, I, I have to voice a little bit of my disappointment in it that I really, I wanted it to be mm-hmm. different yeah. and I wanted it to be fresh and it wasn't, it, I, I enjoyed it, but, uh, I, I'm just, I'm failing to see, I know that Bob, uh, mentioned to one of our, our friends of the show, Lauren, to go back and read the, from the very beginning, like you joked about when should start reading the Green Lantern. I said, you said 1959? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. She and actually wrote a question in for him. Today. Right. Yeah, so yeah. she actually went and got mm-hmm. Green Lantern number one. Yeah. And she's reading mm-hmm. from 59 forward. And yeah. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> but um, that's the thing. I This, you know, all new creative teams, everybody's getting their shot mm-hmm. out of one of the books. And after doing two huge events and getting all of the books and doing the whole thing, I was hoping just to hold on to the Green Lantern title mm-hmm. and drop the others just to cut on books and whatnot. But if I was going to keep it around, I really wanted it to be something different, something exciting. I don't know that I feel like reading another story where you know, the recharge on the lantern isn't working and there's a giant, you know, celestial beast that's descending upon the universe. And it's the same, it's same outline. Well, it's, it's one issue though. I mean, we, we've got very I know. little. I just, I feel like the setup is very much the same of what we just dealt with mm-hmm. two times in a row and probably many times before that. It's the, it's the formula that I'm having a problem with. Um, I do like the Green Lantern universe, but as opposed to liking it, the more I read it, I find that I'm actually kind of distancing myself from it a little okay. bit. Um, I just find it to be a little redundant. Okay, I mean, I, I am excited about the potential of these new recruits coming into the, the Lantern Corps. They seem quirky and interesting, and I think that'll change things up. Well, they seem like the, the rejects. Well, yeah, but I think it's going to be cool. That's You start but with I, you nothing to give them a Well, big. I like that. That was actually the one thing that I took away from it is because I am a complete sucker for an underdog story. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to take you know, the kids that don't get picked for the school softball team or in gym right. class, they're the last kids picked or the kids that always get you know dodgeballed or whatever... Mm-hmm. And you're going to turn them into heroes and teach them the how to use their will. I mean, what is, what they're worthy, but they're the shy, yeah. you know, outsiders. Mm-hmm. How did they get the rings? Like they're going to have hidden potential. They, they that have, should be very cool. The if power to overcome great fear. There you go. 
<laughs> so that aspect of the story yeah. is very interesting. I just wish that we didn't get dumped on with another big bad mm-hmm. right away, and it's already dire circumstances. I understand you want to go, you want to start with a bang, but it's just it's. I'm so exhausted. Gotcha. In the Green Lantern universe, <laughs> gotcha. I just have to speak from personal. Yeah, absolutely. You know. That's what he's asking for. Uh, I thought the art by Billy Tan was pretty beautiful, though. Yeah, it was good. Uh, so that's, I want to answer those questions because I don't want those to get lost in the shuffle as we got onto the uh, second half of the show later. Really quick for me, uh, all new X-Men, I believe number 12 we were at, uh, really, uh, the series continues to be one of my favorites. Uh, nice confrontation between uh, Scott, young Scott and uh, Alex Summers, Havoc, with his uh, Uncanny Avengers team. Uh, but really, this, there's two spines. There's that, and a really nice, really kind of heartfelt reunion between the two characters. Uh, but the real standout is, you know, this this young Jean Grey. Uh, they they encounter uh, the Uncanny Avengers, who one of them is obviously Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch, and Jean cannot control all her mind reading powers yet, and she reads Wanda's thoughts and discovers what Wanda did. And like any person who doesn't, it's very interesting to see it through the eyes of a young person who doesn't understand all of the kind of circumstances we've gone through seeing this. And she's very much like, why the hell is this person allowed to be here? You, you know what I mean? Like, where you're saying you want to put future Scott in jail for something he did. Look what she did. And it's this, it's this great... Uh, Kind of meeting of those two mm-hmm. of those two, of those two scenarios. Why is she on the team? Well, Rogue says the same thing. Yeah, she? yeah, she does. But it's just great because through Jean's eyes, it's completely it's a very different thing. No, uh, but like you know, it could have been ridiculous. And um, I think like one of my favorite parts about like all new X Men is the fact that like even though some of these moments could be taken and just you know to so be like oh this is so you know unnecessary, <laughs> but. <laughs> they do such a great job of making it real. And like Jean Grey, like you actually like feel for her. Like you kind of just, she's so emotional over the fact and she's just like, without like spoiling it much more, it's just, you know, how is this okay? Yeah. How can you just like live with this like genocidal maniac? Like mm-hmm. in some ways, I mean, she doesn't have like the full concept of it or the context rather. Yeah. But, um, it's, it's really effective and it's, yeah. I mean, it doesn't really move along the plot per se. It's kind of a filler issue, but it's still a filler issue that has a lot of emotion in it. I uh, I think that it, it's it's still like the uh, the world of grown ups seen through the eyes of a, a, a child in a kind of way, and how it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain those complications and circumstances to someone who is so you know fresh faced. And, well, to be fair, and, I yeah. mean, these circumstances are rather ridiculous, and in well, the they real are, world, but, but, they would be like. Well, yes, but I'm but condemned we're, we're, for sure. But I mean, yeah, but awful. we're speaking in the terms of the story. You can't, you can't bring. I know, the, 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 I know, I know. Uh, if any of these things really happened, the, the the fucking world they live in is insane every day of their lives. <laughs> no one has a normal yeah. life. Uh, well, uh, but really quick, uh, particularly not Stephanie. Yeah, <laughs> never. Uh, never. Uh, for Marvel, Daredevil, Dark Knights, uh, this new limited eight issue anthology series. Uh, it's going to be a three-issue arc, a two-issue arc, and then another three-issue arc. Mm. Um, Lee Weeks is the first writer uh, writer and penciler. Uh, he did Daredevil Last Rites a bunch of years ago. Uh, you know, I, I, Daredevil, I, I feel like, has been kicking on all cylinders right now over at Marvel. Uh, the Obviously, we talk about the Mark Waits thing all the time, the end of days, and, and now this. Uh, really really good stuff. I mean, first of all, it looks gorgeous. The pencil work is is breathtaking. Uh, 
And the story, it, it, it's it's a simple story. It's basically uh, there is a, a an accident and uh, uh, someone dies and has to donate an organ. And the helicopter that's bringing the organ to save this other person goes down and Daredevil has to, mm. uh, you know, find the helicopter and, and save the day. Uh, but it touches on all those things that make Daredevil great, the, his will and the ability to uh, stay down and keep going. And it was just, it, it stood out to me so much. It was, it, it reminded me of, again, of how, why I love that character so much. It made me realize even more that he really probably is one of my favorite characters if I look at it uh, in, in the entire Marvel Universe. I totally just had a flashback to Young Justice of the yeah. episode. Yeah. The, the Kid Flash. Yeah. Again, trying to get the heart across the country. I was trying, in my head, I'm like yeah. trying to figure out where do I know the spot. The one thing uh, I loved, that was actually, that was my true book of the mm. week, but I knew I knew you'd be bringing it up, so I saved it. But um, I really, really, I'm very much getting into the Daredevil character ever since I started reading the Mark Wade stuff. Mm. And this issue, it had me a little concerned at the beginning. It started off on a very, uh, just a note that I don't like mm-hmm. that Matt Murdock wakes up and doesn't remember who he is. Right. I just generally don't always care for amnesia as a plot device. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't last very long, though. No, no well, that's <laughs> yeah. the thing. It doesn't. And I was first of all, very relieved mm-hmm. by that. But uh, the way that it was handled and the, the way that it kicks into the you know daredevil gear or whatever yeah. was the reasoning behind it was mm-hmm. very much what that character is about and something that if there's danger, he's going to... he's. He's going to get it done. He jumps headlong into it. When right, exactly. Say, the man without fear. Yeah, Even exactly. if he doesn't have all his wits about him, yeah. he goes. Yeah, and uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, like we've been talking about what makes Superman Superman, mm-hmm. that's what makes Daredevil Daredevil. Yeah, and I, I think the thing about the amnesia thing, I think it's his clever way in the plot of giving you the origin and who Daredevil is without having to, to be a description of who Matt Murdock is. So it lets you know how heightened his senses are and who his father was and that he's a lawyer, but then he's also, so it does all of these things kind of mission to one. It's a really great read. And, uh, it's one of the things that I mean, if people are a fan of the character, uh, you should definitely be picking it up. And finally, uh, Astro city number one, uh, from vertigo, Kurt Busick and, uh, Brent Anderson, mm-hmm. I believe is, is the artist here. Uh, I've never read any Astro City. I know there's about 60 issues, uh, I think, uh, outside of this. Uh, it, it's been rebranded number one, and I picked it up because I, I just loved the way the it looked. Like the covers, I, I think Kirby's, I love him as a creator. So I picked it up, and I was not disappointed. It is a bizarre, uh, exciting, funny, uh, different kind of book, and... I just I loved all of it. I, I I drank it in. You know, it's big and bright and beautiful. There's also something obviously nefarious going on underneath the surface. They play a lot with the the meta idea of we've been away for a long time and this is you know this we have to kind of catch you up, but there's not time to catch you up. All that stuff is addressed here, and it made me more than anything else want to go back and read all those Astro City issues because. It, I just I loved everything I was getting. Bob, you were an Astro City fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of this issue? It's very interesting in that, just as you say, we picked up years and years later. The book had so many gaps before that it became impossible to mm. keep up. Really, uh, you're, you're getting some of their big characters, and, mm. and as usual, new ones. 
a really crazy one, a yeah. really insane one. I'm yeah. not even going to say anything. You should, <laughs> you should discover this for yourself. Um, what Kurt Busiek did with this, as he did with so many other things, he, he understands superheroes. Mm -hmm. So what you're getting is the core and a character you sort of recognize, but maybe not because mm -hmm. they're blended with other things. Yeah. He investigates all the tropes, all the little cliches for good and bad. And finds a way to make them fresh all over again. And here mm. we are. We have a character that looks something like the old living tribunal from Doctor Strange mm. back in the Dan Atkins days. And he shows up with, I'll give this away, a, there's a giant door yeah. just hanging over the city. Mm -hmm. Four gazillion superheroes show yeah. up and start blasting and shooting and yeah. helicopters. Yeah, it's a big superhero battle. But, oh, we'll take a pause. Yeah. So just talk about this a second. Yeah. And real people. It, mm. it's, a, it's, in a way... Um, more marvels than Kingdom Come, even mm -hmm. though the creators yeah. are the other way around. Yeah, kind yeah, of. Yeah. It is really, really special, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You, it would help if you had some of the background. Mm -hmm. I'm sure but, it would. But I think you're going to get it, because yeah. in essence, you've seen only a few of the old characters. Mm -hmm. So ju uh, you'll be okay. Uh, yeah, and speaking of the characters, the, the main character, the father uh, that we're kind of following mm -hmm. around here... Just it struck me as such a authentic fatherly daughter relationship, you know, it, a good one, obviously not. In, yeah. But it, the 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 kind of way he looks at his his children, the art is beautiful as well, and it's just all that stuff worked so well. And it, it's kind of all put together by this narrator g character who's speaking to you and saying, "Look, there's some shady stuff going on here, and they've got all the channels and all the ways of communication mm -hmm. covered, except for this, this one. one." And he's talking to you. He's like, you're going to be my eyes and ears for all this stuff. So it's even got this kind of storybook thing going on with it. I just, the the somewhat skewed, bizarre nature of it really, really, you know, hooked me. Yeah, it was more straightforward mm -hmm. for the most part in the old days, but it was never straight. Mm -hmm. It was always told from a slightly different standpoint. You had multiple narrators, uh... It was in different ages. You saw 40s heroes, 50s, 60s, 70s, gritty urban heroes. Yeah. You know, where one was a policeman, one was a criminal, and the other side became a super criminal. Mm -hmm. And you, you saw stories from different angles, sometimes the same story from two different ones, two different issues in a row. Right. Uh, always very well done. Brett Anderson's art is great. Yeah. Uh, you get those Alex Ross covers on top of everything yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you get a nice little surprise here. Don't don't turn the page. Yeah, I know. That's well, I love that moment. I love it. The, the narrator is telling you not to turn the page because there's something he doesn't want you to see. Well, you uh, got me a couple words in at the beginning. I'm already picking it up. Yeah, it's great. You will not be disappointed. No, I yeah. I had it in my hand last mm -hmm. week, and then it just I had to make you know cuts. But yeah. now I'm I'm regretting it. Yeah. I'm gonna pick it up. The problem with those is gonna make you want to spend you know a, a bunch of other money buying all the old issues. There's like yeah. eight or nine volumes. Oh, I don't know if I'll do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, no. you'll see after you read it. It makes you ba -ba 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 -ba. feel. What, what, yeah. I will do, I, I hate to say this, mm. I will buy this as a trade when I know they've all come out. Right, because there's been uh, issues with the releases before, yeah, right? Yeah, and it was about sickness. Kurt Busiek yeah. was ill, uh, so months would go by with nothing. And sometimes a year and a half between the end of one series that hadn't really ended. Mm -hmm. And uh, wait a minute, I, no, yeah. no, and I, I understand. Mm. I will wait, but it was, it was something I want to revisit. Great. That's great to hear. And Bob, let's close it out with you. The oh. most epic book of the week segment ever. Yes. Well, I'll do this really quickly. <laughs> you don't quickly. do quick, Bob. Yes, you don't, you don't do. get punished because we took a long time. Uh, well, 
First of all, we had a listener, uh, and he apparently wants me to talk about more books that are being canceled so we can yeah. start buying books that he doesn't have to worry about. So Red She-Hulk 66, there's one more of those to go. Uh, Jeff Parker now takes this story to the nexus of all realities down the Florida Everglades and brings back the Man-Thing. It's a Swamp mm. Creature Month. Uh, he had done such great work with the Man-Thing in uh, Thunderbolts where now everyone hears him in their own voice. As he speaks to them, he actually feels mm. and thinks now. And he's taking Betty through to alternate realities, which include her saving Bruce Banner from the Gamma Bomb, and she becomes the Hulk. Oh, wow. Ooh. And he's the person trying to save her. The She-Hulk shows up. We have some a really neat page where... Oh, wow. The Red She-Hulk has got ourselves a problem because she's afraid, and it's not good to be afraid around the man thing. Because, the colors are really, yeah. really uh, vibrant. And I like the it. colorist this time is, see, now that you mentioned that, I've lost <laughs> the credits. There they uh, are. Val Staples, mm -hmm. which has uh, been great all the way through here. Um, you know, what, whosoever knows fear burns at the man thing's touch is what they used to say back oh, wow. in the Steve Gerber days. And that's what he's all about. Anyway, if you've been picking this up or haven't been, go for this little arc. It's been about 10 issues. Uh, we've got Machine Man, and it looks as if some of the alternate futures here have to have some tie-ins to the Age of Ultron. Okay, that would make sense. That are coming. Yeah. Let so, me ask you a question, Bob. Sure. Now, is this part of the... How many She-Hulks has there been? Are there going to be two trades or one? What, of this? Of this. Red She-Hulk. I, I think there'll be one. Okay. I think we may end up being eight issues. Mm -hmm. You think they'll put all eight into I one? I think so. I, I can't imagine them splitting it. Yeah. They okay. might. They might, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, it's too bad, but it's, since it's selling, I did the numbers, 14,000 copies Oof. a month. And I didn't care about this character at mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. Until Matt Fraction's Defenders. Right, which is a great. She's great yeah. in that. Book. She's yeah. just great in that. And Jeff Parker picked up those threads entirely. And just as it's been, like, you've got the She Hulk here, too. And they're battling it out in the swamp. Mm -hmm. You can't go too wrong with that. It's been fun, but one more to go. Okay. We'll see how that one ends. Uh, Fearless Defenders number five, which is just amazing with uh, two spectacular covers this month. Uh, this Mark Brooks one with the, is this Mortal Kombat, I guess? Street Fighter, I think. Street more? Fighter, yeah. okay. Yeah. And the book, frankly, this happens inside the book, in <laughs> essence. Yeah. Uh, Carolyn Le Fay, who's our bad guy, who mm -hmm. we, we, is in the Age of Ultron yeah. uh, issue, which we saw. Mm -hmm. She has a tie-in to this character, which I'm not giving away in case no one's read mm -hmm. that one yet. Uh, well, she's risen these doom maidens who were supposed to have been pushed aside by uh, shield maidens that Valkyrie picked, but didn't because she was busy getting drunk or whatever it was she <laughs> was doing uh, for the last 10 years. Uh, they're, uh, they're attacking Val and Hippolyta, Danny Moonstar, who they've rescued. And Misty Knight shows up on her flying motor scooter. Steve has this wonderful picture, this yeah. wonderful double-page spread, with the reinforcements. Because we're tying back into Heroes for Hire. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a huge honking mess of Marvel <laughs> superheroines. Each one gets a moment. Mm -hmm. The sort of triple team-up of the cat characters, Hellcat, Tigra and Black Cat, they're fighting together. Someone makes a comment. This is just a lot of fun, tons of great action, filled with humor, too. Uh, if people haven't picked this up, because I don't know why they wouldn't, but they should. Mm -hmm. It's just yeah, great action, fun to see all these female characters in, in one room, so to speak, and 
it's been a deep story. Lots of mythology, lots of mm-hmm. cool stuff going on. So yeah, are you, are you? Yeah, yeah. I think it's great. I'm, I'm loving it. Absolutely. Right. Not as much as I love the, your book of the week, though. Okay. The movement number two. Yeah. Um, it was a nice setup, first issue. Really, really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. But I think here we've got a great expansion of what was before. Yeah. Uh, the themes and conflicts. We, we've got our... Uh, we're, Emerging as the two leaders, the mm-hmm. two factions here of the movement mm-hmm. itself, uh, we have Virtue, mm-hmm. who's trying very hard to do the right thing, it seems like. You would, you would think. And, but it's going to depend on your point of view, yeah, because yeah, yeah. Catharsis, the other side, yeah. thinks she's being too nice and mm-hmm. is somewhat more impulsive. In fact, she even tells her, you know, you're, you're a good person, Virtue, which makes you the last thing we need mm-hmm. in the midst of all this, because it, the police are still not the nice no. folks in Coral City here especially around the tween. Steve, go. No, I, I really enjoyed it too. I liked it a lot. It was very much a get-to-know-you kind of issue where we had the setup in the first issue and now we're going to put you right in with the characters. You're going to get a little bit of time with each of them. And there's a lot of affecting moments with characters that you don't even, you don't even really have, haven't like experienced anything with no. them yet. But because of their their powers and what it means to have these powers you connect with those moments and i was really really drawn into it and i'm uh very very much i'm enjoying both of them really but uh the movement has been real solid so far this is a great second issue i, I liked the uh the virtue the gandalf moment that virtue had yeah, <laughs> yeah he's like you knew and forget the who the hell you're talking to and he gets all giant and stuff i thought it was pretty awesome well yeah. she had a moment with the policeman in the last issue yeah, yeah. there's some badass fights the into the moment. yeah oh, oh, catharsis when yeah, she catharsis goes to with the, the wings the bladed yeah. wings that's all awesome. trust me boy and we had yeah. we, we had an introduction of well just by name alone might be my favorite character name of the last few years okay. vengeance moth yeah <laughs> vengeance moth yeah and she wheels up to policemen being held prisoner in this old shirtwaist factory mm. from the 1890s uh, where, you know, hundreds of people were buried to death and that's where they're holding these guys. And she wheels up to them because she's in charge. Uh, fruit snack? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Gail. Thank yeah. you. That's, that's right up there with Hulk make me a sandwich. Yeah. Fruit snack? And the, the, the mouse... Oh, he loves that's, his, yeah, his well, that's part friend. of what I was talking about. Yeah, he can control, yeah. control the, uh, the, the rats. He's like the guy from Dishonored. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. So, again, much less political than DC. Oh, not political at all. Uh, but I agree with you totally. The first issue I liked, I definitely liked it. But this this one sold it for me. This one, it was very close to being my, my book of the week. It was in the, like, the top three of the stuff that I had read. And I read the, of the top three things. I read this, Daredevil, and Astro City. You know, it was one of those weeks that re-energized my, my comic-loving, uh, you know, gene or whatever. Yeah. And it, it, one of the ones I didn't expect it to. You know, I very much expect the week we're at right now to be one of those those weeks. And I did not expect any one of those three books to be... I expect them all to be good, but not to be that, oh my God, I, I just want to read everything. I want to read more of the movement. I want to go read all every all Daredevil I can get. I read all the Ahostra City I can get. So, yeah, it, the movement was awesome. I I was really, really impressed. It, 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 it bought itself a, probably a year of buying, you know, wow. from this issue. Because it's, you know, I have that belief in it now. Wow. But... Nice. Mm-hmm. That's it for like me. That. All right. So that was an epic, epic book of the week segment. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back and answer some of your listener questions.
All right, and we are back. And as promised, we are going to be taking your listener questions. We put out the call on Facebook, on Twitter. We got some emails. You guys, as always, uh, a ton of responses. Amazing. Uh, Stephanie, uh, let's start out. Throw, throw us a question here. All right, Bobby. Let's see what we got. <laughs> I feel like there should be a game show music. Okay, Vanna. Come on down. Yeah. Let's get that Jeopardy music going. Fish. I made somebody sing the Jeopardy music at the last geek trivia as like a completely random sidebar. But anyways, so a question. What? We've got lots of those. Um, so the first one's from one of our Twitter followers, RC Carol31. And he wants to know. Assuming DC insists upon doing these September gimmicks, what kind of event would you guys like to see next year? Hmm, interesting. So, you guys don't know, uh, for the anniversary of the New 52, at least for as long as that lasts in the foreseeable future, uh, they did the Zero Issues last year, they're doing the Villains Month uh, this year, uh, and so presumably next year they'll do another one. So, uh, that is what Orion mm-hmm. is referring to here. So what? It's not necessarily a, 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 as be an event, but uh, something different. Uh, uh, you know, an anniversary thing that they'll do. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you like to see, Bob? Do you have any ideas? Sure, I'd like to see the old fifty-two back. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, yeah. because I'm not going to do that. I'd like to see the multiverse. I'd like to see Grant Morrison's multiverse thing show up. Yes. And let's start putting that, that all back together. That came into my yeah, head. that's a really that. I think that'd be great. Be perfect for the for this type you know type of thing mm-hmm. if you did. You expanded past just the Earth Two stuff in into these all these other universes, and you know they're going to be one offs or out of continuity anyway. So why not you yeah. know indulge let, in those let, things? Let the monthly creators of all the regular books take a shot at okay, what's the Earth S? Yeah, Shazam! Exactly. What the Captain Marvel, the CC Beck version, kind of look like. Yeah, here. that would be. I think that'd be awesome. They should hire you, Bob. <laughs> no, seriously, that's that's a great idea. Uh, that's a, that's an awesome, awesome idea. Uh, I'd love to see. They would never do this, but I'd love to see a month where possibly actually to give the the current creators maybe a month off to catch up on stories and make sure they have everything on time and they keep the same artist. Maybe do a month of. Uh, kind of older creators who have worked on those characters before had like oh. epic runs on those characters. So George Perez does a Wonder Woman issue, and you know Neil Adams does a Batman issue, uh, or, or whatever. You know, some, something like that. Uh, I think that'd be cool because you could get a different style, different tone. You wouldn't really have to stretch continuity at all because they could still be in the, in that same sort of milieu, but just with the classic bent to them. I think would be really cool. Hmm. I would, I would love to see that. Absolutely. Um, Stephanie, you got any ideas? I honestly don't know what would make a good event that I would want to read. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Stephanie doesn't know. Steve, you have any ideas? I know. Sorry, I'm the worst. <laughs> I, would, uh, I would love to see something of the, uh, to the extent of like a, a kid's month, perhaps, that they t- like, I know they're doing little Hellboy yeah and they've already done uh little Gotham and stuff I think it'd be really cool how they they kind of did the well they not kind of they did do Marvel did all the apes covers or everybody everything Mm. was was an ape at some point if they took a month to take a break from all the blood and guts and dour and gore and just made a light 
re- like a light month. It's like a vacation month mm-hmm. for for the DC heroes, and just d- purposefully go out of your way to make something lighthearted or just bizarre, something outside of all the darkness. Mm-hmm. Actually, I totally agree with that. I think that would be a really good idea for them to do, like. Not necessarily along the lines of, like, Batman Little Gotham or anything, but I think it would be really cool for them to do um, a story for each of their New 52 that's just all-ages-friendly, all-readers-friendly, just, Mm -hmm. like, a one-off, cool original story that let anyone in on those characters. Yeah. Yeah. Many, many years ago, Marvel did Assistant Editors Month. Okay. And every book was a joke. Mm-hmm. It was just meant to be the craziest, stupidest thing they could come up with. In the Avengers, they appeared on David Letterman. Okay. <laughs> and David Letterman helped them beat the Silver Samurai. Mm-hmm. Of course. They had a Marvel team up. It was, you know, actually, you know, it was what if Aunt May fought Galactus? With a cover. She's in the Captain Universe outfit <laughs> fighting Galactus. She hit him with her purse? It might as well have. <laughs> So they could do something like that. Just, you know, this is, you know, literally Bizarro Month. Mm-hmm. And just tell the craziest stories anyone could come up with. Out of continuity, do what you want. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Good job, guys. Yeah. Right. So there, there, right. there you go. I had one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually going to jump to an email question uh, right now. This is from uh, Lee Hughes. And he says, your podcast, your last podcast was a mammoth of a show. And this one is turning out to be also a mammoth of the show. And I thoroughly maybe, enjoyed maybe myself. Maybe only a mastodon. Yeah. However, when it came down to the listings of the week's releases, I became disheartened when the Thunderbolts was mentioned. And Bob gave it his usual negative grunt. Oh. Uh, <laughs> in its defense, issue seven saw Phil Noto come on board with improved the art quality tenfold. And Danny Way's script looked like it was starting to improve slightly. This was back with issue seven mm-hmm. my hope is that when the new creative team takes over on issue 14 that bob will ease up on it i know it's not the thunderbolts team he used to read and i don't expect him to read this one but people need to decide for themselves whether they should read it or not and absolutely that we think about every book we can only give you a kind of guide post <laughs> to what gonna do. uh i admit that the first issue was terrible but I stuck with it because it was the only place to read a character like the Punisher. I used to like the character a lot in the 90s as well as Spider-Man and the X-Men. However, it was Garth Ennis' Punisher Max series, which I highly recommend if you enjoyed Greg Rucka's run on it. They got me back into comics in a big way about five years ago, and I'm constantly looking for that same high. Imagine if the only place to read Batman was in one Justice League title. Readers would put, uh, put, pull all their, own, all their own hair out. So I continue buying Thunderbolts because it's all I have at the moment. Anyway, that's my little rant of the day. Keep up the good work, true believers. Uh, Lee Hughes. So thank you very much, Lee, for writing in. And I apologize. <laughs> you don't do apologize. For raining well, on can, someone's parade. Well, no, no, no. I just, I just wanted to say something really quick about the, the end of the show things or whatever. Just so everyone knows, those are all in jest. After after over two hours of podcasting, everybody gets a little loopy, a little uh, anxious. To a little drunk. Get on, yeah, a little <laughs> drunk. And it's just our way of letting off a little bit of steam. It's mm-hmm. never to be, you know, taken to heart. And, uh, you know, if it bothers people, well, you'll get over it. Well, yeah, I, I particularly coming. take that one to heart only in that that has been one of my favorite books mm-hmm. for 15 odd years and what it was has been replaced by something that's the antithesis of what it was about. right yeah and be fair like he said you know if the book gets better that's great uh like he said and we all said the first issue was fucking terrible you, you know yeah. uh, um 
and it's tough to get over a terrible issue and keep reading something. I wanted that book to be good. I, I agree with him. I After reading Ruckus Run the Punisher, I love that character, and I wanted more yeah. of it. But it, it just did not give me what I wanted. And if it's getting better, that's great. And yes, Charles, I believe Charles Soule is taking over the book. Uh, and he's been doing very good stuff in other places. So that could be a, g- a good place. You know, Maybe it's not the team you want it to be, but if the book is good... Again, like I said, we said earlier, the name isn't so much the. the no, the, the I bought factor. the first issue. Yeah. I was hoping yeah. for you know a, a non-team, anti-team book. With, yeah. Uh, maybe you could. M- yeah. Make it work. Yeah. I almost bought it for Phil Noto's art. I got to tell right. you, but yeah. I couldn't get past it. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Stephanie. Let's head back onto the the uh, the Facebook Twitter land. Sure. <laughs> so from Christian Stoa, this is kind of. Um, I think we've kind of touched on this sort of in passing, but. This is, you know, addressing it full on. Um, how do you guys store your comics? Cardboard box, plastic plastic box, bag and boarded, custom solutions. How do we store our comics? Well, <laughs> I will go first. Okay. Oh, well, go for it. <laughs> All right. The way that I store my comics is I have a series of long boxes. Each, uh, each and every comic that I own is bagged and boarded, but I do it a certain way. I single board and bag uh, in current bags and current boards, all number one issues, all variant covers, and anything that seems like it, like if I absolutely adore the cover and don't want to lump it in with something else, I will uh, single bag and board it. But if you're looking to save on room, if you're looking to save on uh, money, because bagging and boarding is very expensive, especially if you're buying uh, lots of stuff every month, is you can buy a Silver Age bag with current boards, and you put the current board in the silver bag. You can store up to about five to six comics very comfortably in that one bag. Uh, If you want to look at it as if you can break things up into arcs, So what I usually do is if something starts, I put the number one in a single bag and board and then two through, let's say two through six is in a silver bag with the current board in it. And you got that whole grouping. Mm -hmm. It's all it also makes for easy reading for markers of where stories begin and end. Yeah, Um, I try to I keep everything organized as far as uh, publishers concerned. I have certain boxes dedicated to certain publishers and everything that I have is in alphabetical order by publisher. It's the only way that I know how to find things. Mm -hmm. And I have two miscellaneous boxes for random stuff like Kaboom and Mm -hmm. Avatar and Icon and stuff like that. Bob, what about you? Uh, (laughs) What was my parents' bedroom is basically a warehouse. Mm-hmm. It is lo- rare. Is totally true. <laughs> rarer stuff is in long boxes on industrial steel shelves. It, just uh, two sets of those. There's a giant pyramid in the center of the room. <laughs> that is most of the DCs. Those get shifted around a lot. Um, I don't bag much anymore. Mm-hmm. I. It's very costly. I, yeah. Uh, I went through a major expense many, many years ago. I decided that the rarer stuff needed more protection. So there's a company called Gerber, and I bought tons and tons of Mylars. And those don't fit in boxes, so you have to cut off the tops. Mm -hmm. That's okay. They're very sharp then. You have to be careful you don't slice your hand open. Uh, They were for a while making Mylars that folded over so that you could actually seal the top. That actually bent the books. The tension to keep the thing closed actually bent the top of the book. So oh, wow. the, those, at, and a dollar fifty an envelope, 
Whoa. Mylars are expensive. Then mm. they, there are mylites, which I don't think they make anymore, which is about one mil thick, and they tear if you look at them wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're chemically inert, mm-hmm. so they can stay there forever. They keep things like the, you know, the Declaration of Independence in mylar, so I'm in good right. shape. I would really like to invest in those drawer boxes. I think it's a really neat idea that yeah. you don't have to shift boxes around all over the place. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. $17 a box. So much more expensive. I have one of those. Yeah. After buying the one, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I'm similar to what Steve does. I do, do remember the same thing. I'm much, I, I care a lot less about the collecting. I got books thrown all over my house. Uh, but uh, what I want to do is once I kind of, get into a place where I have like an office because I want to get an office. Uh, I'm going to, I think I want to either, I kind of want to build like drawers and shelves mm. and stuff. So it looks nice. I don't, I don't the white box thing. Like I'm just, I don't want this, these ugly boxes in, in, all over the place. I want yeah. it to look like a, I'm, if I'm going to collect something, if I, I want it to be, a, first of all, easily accessible, like you're saying, the drawer yeah. thing, the, the, it's such a pain in the ass. Once you have more than one box of something, it becomes like, you know, you're going to the gym every time you need to get an you know, issue of X-Men out. Remember those puzzles we had as a kid? It's a square with 15 tiles and one blank yep. space. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what getting to the yeah. bottom box is like. Yeah. And it's also this thing where, like, I hate it when, when you know, when I get a new box or I'm packing a box and it's not all the way full, it always falls over yep. and it, like, crushes some book at the back. I have shoes that oh, really? are, are <laughs> by my old DC Limiteds. They're, you know, mm. they're done, mm. but they're now, you know, um, what the hell is the word I'm looking for? Bookshelf. Like bookends? That's yeah. it. Yeah. Bookends. <laughs> wow. Go I, I tend to use trade paperbacks. Mm-hmm. And stick them at the end of the box if, if something's related. Yeah, until I'll, do, it fills I'll do that sometimes up. too. Yeah, I'll do that sometimes too. Stephanie, what about you? You do mostly digital now, right? Yeah, unfortunately, like I don't really have a permanent place to live at the moment, so I've kind of had to cut back on the single issues that I pick up at stores. But I mean, I I have long boxes for that, mm. and then anything else, like I tend to pick up a lot of trades. Um, obviously, like things at cons and um, stores and DMV for Torontonians who are familiar with that store um and i i have a lot of plastic bins that i just kind of use as sort of book boxes mm-hmm. it's not the most you know uh lovely of <laughs> systems but for me because i'm mostly living out of boxes except for some stuff that i have unpacked in my room um it, it works for the moment typically like when i'm set up i have lots of bookshelves for my trades and then you know for the comics individually i just have the long boxes, but the silver snail in Toronto has these really cool clear bins. And it's, I don't know. It's hard to kind of describe without seeing it, but it's basically just like, you know, shelving that has pull out drawers that are custom fitted for comics and they're clear and they're really cool. Mm -hmm. And ideally, you know, when I have my own place, I'd like to do something like that for my single issues. I don't remember the name of it. When I was at New York Comic Con, there was a company building custom furniture. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. And there's a lot of those uh, companies that will come to the conventions now. And, I mean, most of them are, some of them travel to all the shows to promote their stuff. But uh, a lot of them are local to where you are. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you have the money, they're really high quality and they're really cool things to have and a great way to store your geekery. Well, this one company, they had well, a, a magnificent gaming table yes. with little drawers where you could put oh, all yeah. the pieces, whatever. Oh, yeah. Yes. Bill was like entranced with those at Seattle at Emerald City Comic Con. Mm-hmm. I had to like 
pull him away to like other panels and be like, stop looking at me. <laughs> well, the one thing I really love for comics, they had this giant, in, in essence, it's sort of an apothecary you know, medicine cabinet with all the little pockets, but the pockets were comic sized. Mm-hmm. So it was a drawer that probably held 60, 70 books right. on rollers, and it was, you know, four or five feet, feet high. Yeah. And just, oh. Yeah, that gorgeous. sounds nice. Another thing, this is like a, a pie in the sky thing, or I think it doesn't exist really, but I would love it if, you know, let's say I get, I have the, I buy the first arc of Batman Incorporated, the single issues. I wish I could like find some place that would make like a custom sleeve for it mm. where I could like, you know, like a cardboard sleeve, like you have books and sometimes I could put the six issues in and it says like Batman Incorporated, you know, I, like if they, if DC sold those and they sold them for a buck 50 or something, I would buy them every I, fucking time they put them out. Like case folders. Like case folders, exactly. Mm. So I could display them. Like some stuff I want to display. That's the problem with comics. Well, you can't fucking display them. Well, that's <laughs> the thing know? that kills me is our friend Rob mm-hmm. in his basement, he's got those sheets yeah. where they're the size of comic books mm-hmm. and he literally has put like his favorite variant yeah. covers inside the sheets so one wall of his basement and his comic, uh, comic dungeon is... <laughs> You know, all yeah. variant covers like wallpaper. Yeah, and I the from the very first time that I saw that, I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> yes!" Where do yeah. I get? And he, they don't make them anymore. Why the fuck not? <laughs> Somebody needs to get on this because you it's amazing. should. Yeah, I wish I had the means. Yeah, yeah Kickstarter. <laughs> it's great though. You get to you get to display. Not only could you store the comic in there, but you have comic book artwork as your wallpaper more mm-hmm. or less yeah and they're easy access and they look gorgeous especially yeah. if you have an eye for like organizing them mm-hmm. just so it's fantastic yeah now they still make those sort of frames for record albums and yeah, cd covers so you think yeah. they would just size one down for comment yeah super easy yeah there Do you go it. uh i'm gonna jump back to an email right now stephanie we got an e- email from uh this is from ethan and you know we we said uh a lot of negative things about Villains Month last week, and he came back with some stuff he likes about what DC's doing. Okay. And I want to read those things out. Uh, he talked about, you know, one of our reviewers, Sean Lamont, uh, he he reviewed Earth 2, the the, uh, uh, the annual, and one of the things he referred to was world building. And he said what Sean, uh, Sean Lamont referred to as world building in his Earth 2 review, I love how that is an entirely new world, but it takes many of the elements familiar to DC fans. It reinterprets those elements in a new way. That's one of the things he likes that DC's doing. He loves that Jeff Johns did with Green Lantern. I mentioned that his work is what he got me buying co- new comics again. What he has done is also very world-building, but rather than starting fresh, he has expanded what was already there in a way that is logically consistent with the earlier elements of the Green Lantern mythology. Um, he likes the interplay between the Justice League books, uh, which is the same reason why he ha- was liking Avengers Assemble so much on the Marvel side before he didn't really like the AU issues. Um uh, and he's a fan. He's a fan of, of the, the the kind of house style. I'm using mm-hmm. a house style. Uh, he does want to say though. I mean, we talked about Vertigo and kind of the comments that Dan Tadeo made about uh, the the nature of the company. And he says, by the way, thanks for bringing up the Vertigo issue. I'm, I'm not a big Vertigo fan, but certainly an important part of comic book history and the industry's ecosystem. Also, coming from tech, the more successful companies have R&D where people can work on smaller projects that are near and dear to them. 99 may fail, but the 100th may turn into something big. Vertigo is in many ways DC's R&D division. Consequently, cutting it would be a very short-sighted move. 
Um, Great analogy. Yeah. So I wanted to read that because I think that Ethan hit the nail right in the head there uh, and said it pretty much perfectly uh, with his stance on vertigo. Uh, But yeah, so I wanted to thank Ethan. He took a lot of time to write that email in and I wanted to make sure we read that out even though there's really not a, a question uh, involved in there. All right. Uh, well said. Yeah. Stephanie, when we bounce it back to you. Um, so we've had this question before in the past, but I think there's a lot of new factors that have come into play lately. So I'm going to repeat it. And this is from Leonardo uh, Nieves on Facebook. And he wants to know how we determine which books we decide not to yeah. pull anymore. Yeah. People have been, a couple people asked this question. Probably this, mm-hmm. actually. And I know we've addressed it in the yeah. past, but again, there's been like price hikes and Ice. Yeah, and it, I mean it changes. I mean, the, I yeah, think, there's been a lot of changes. So yeah. let's. I mean, for me uh, personally, even the the reasons and, and the things why I I change thing, you know, uh, why I drop things changes. I mean, you know, th- there's several factors. For me, obviously, a lot of it is is, is price, um, and there are things I don't buy because they're more expensive. Like uh, there are, there are some indie books that I would probably read if they were two ninety nine. But when they're four ninety nine, that's a lot of money to take a chance on something. Right. Uh, and yeah, there's a chance that you know X Men might be bad, but I, I I like the X Men, so I yeah, I need a, a reason to get into something that I'm talking about books that don't have creators that I'm really right. interested in. Something that I'm just gonna take a lark on. Uh, but for me, it really turns into a couple things. It turns into the fact that it, a lot of it happens in the moment too. A lot happens when when we're sitting there at the store and Rob's taking books out of, out of the boxes and he says, "Oh, this book." And there's a part of me that goes, no, <laughs> you know, like I just, I didn't really read it last month or I read it and I don't really care. Uh, and the only reason I'd be buying it is because of some weird, you know, dedication to this brand of, of right. hero that's coming out here. So no, just kind of, um, j- just skip it. Uh, it also happens too with, and we talk about this a lot, but there's only there's a limit to how many x-men books and how many avengers books i can buy i'm just like it's got to come to a line where i i I don't want to stop buying indie books that could be great because i want to buy the fifth avengers book you know i i want to be able to buy 10 grand and not and i'm not going to buy avengers you know arena or whatever uh bad example i'm not buying that anyway but you know that that sort of situation and also it comes down to the week sometimes because there are some weeks that are fucking huge with the amount of releases that come out. Yeah. And my uh, my threshold for, you know, how much I do enjoy a book to keep it on my pull list definitely goes down when that pull list is very, very high. When I got yeah. a huge stack of books in front of me, if I'm not loving that book, it's getting put aside. Because yeah. I need to keep it under a certain amount of money, and that's just the way it is, you know. that. Uh, so those are the factors that really go for me. I don't know. Uh, Steve, what about you? Well, I mean, everybody everybody sees my polls each week. Mm. Everybody knows how ridiculous they can get. Mm-hmm. Lately, though, um, and I do work off a lot of those books, which has been a huge help. But lately, I've been having to make cuts and even put some stuff aside that if I'm not 100% on board, it's really a matter of how much I'm enjoying it and the absolute need to read it now mm-hmm. versus reading it later. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying my best to get comfortable with the idea of waiting for certain things, especially arcs that I find lately that if I'm only one or two into it and I'm not entirely into it, I'm going to try to start to wait for word of mouth Mm. kind of thing. And not to mention that, 
you know, our pull lists are considerably larger than than most because we do the show and, you know, we do the site and you want to be able to talk to people about things. And it's very difficult to put a book aside that you love when there's so much else is coming out that lately um, I keep telling myself, oh, well, this is the last issue. This is ending. This mm-hmm. is ending. It's kind of it, like it happened with Daredevil, how the end of days, the, the eighth one finally came out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, done. So, all right, just Mark Wade's Daredevil. Yeah. No problem. And then bam, yeah. Dark Knights comes out. <laughs> And I'm totally in a daredevil mood, and I open it up, and I'm like, oh, it looks good. And, <laughs> oh, it's probably going to be really good. All right, fine. <laughs> and that happens, and it happens every damn week. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do I make cuts? It's really uh, a matter of how much I'm enjoying it. Can I wait? And I hold to, I admit this fully, I hold to some of the stupidest, stupidest reasons to keep <laughs> on uh, moving forward with books. And it happens a lot where I'm, after an arc is finished, after a creative team is done, that I want to leave the book just to save myself the money. Savage Wolverine is a great example of that. I really enjoyed the Frank Cho arc. It's finished. It ended quite hilariously. Mm. But now... The new team coming on is intriguing as well. So they sucked me right back in. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm trying my... I, I might have to get back to you on this. I'm trying my damnedest to leave. I think I'm going to be leaving a lot of Green Lantern stuff aside. So that will greatly increase uh, my ability to read other stuff. Because when I do collect so much, I miss out on things too. Yeah, And I miss out on things that people tell me are wonderful and I never even got to give them the chance because we're so stuck in reading the bigger stuff mm. because that's where the news stories are. Mm. That's where the characters are. But there's characters and stories elsewhere that I really want to try to start making a more vested you know, effort yeah. to look into. Absolutely. Uh, Bob, what about you? Uh, for me, it's definitely enjoyment, just as, as Steve's saying. Uh, occasionally, it's anger. You know, Spider-Man's mm. a clone. No, I don't want to read any more <laughs> of that. You say, I just read 10 years of nothing. <laughs> Uh, X-Men became too much of a soap opera and we brought back Jean Grey as Madeline and they mm. cheated on, uh, forget mm. it, goodbye, I'm done. Uh, it's creator sometimes, creative team changes, then it's I'll go one or two more and mm-hmm. see and then, no, I'm not liking this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's generally enjoyment. Look, I collected Captain America since uh, since he returned in Avengers 4. Mm. I just stopped. Right. That was pretty wrenching after 50 years mm-hmm. of reading a character every yeah. month. Not enjoying this. I'm not just going to keep throwing money on it when maybe instead I should be buying the Green Hornet, mm-hmm. which I'm enjoying. Right. Uh, that's, that money's better spent yeah, right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Stephanie, what about you? Um, for me right now, I mean, I think, Bobby, you kind of had this too, like the last couple of weeks where you've been burnt out of like superhero stuff and mm-hmm. things that we read really regularly. And right now, for me, um, my pull list is really. Um, it's based on things that I just are new and fresh and things that aren't wearing me out from like hearing the same story retold by someone else with like someone else's art. And I mean, those are great to a certain extent, but I'm really enjoying like the things that I talked about like today through Comixology Submit and other indie books that are just putting out brand new ideas that we haven't seen. And Mm. right now that's really a big part of my pull list. I really enjoy things like Batman and, you know, I'm not up to date on like the new Swamp Thing, but I enjoy Swamp Thing and 
a lot of other books, but right now I feel like these indie books are reinvigorating my love for comics and that's really affecting what books I buy. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's interesting cause it's like anything else, you know, obviously we do this out of passion and not for pay, but when you do something set time setting, it becomes sort of like a job. And so, you know, we are kind of a, we have to read the books that we buy. Well, it's a sense of responsibility yeah. to everybody. But sometimes that sometimes that can be a, a, a detrimental factor because you're like, oh, I got to get through the, the, the stack of books mm-hmm. in front of me because I got to be able to talk about this or that or this. Uh, so exactly what Stephanie said, I, I think finding something that's new and, and fresh, I think that's one of the reasons I reacted so well to the movement because even though it is a in-continuity superhero book, yeah, there's a freshness to to what's these are characters well, I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do. I don't know who who's safe and mm-hmm. who's not. And that that a lot of times what gets there too. I, I can tell you right now, there are probably books like a chip my pull list which I'm not loving. I could probably pare my pull list down pretty easily. You know, if I, if I gave up on the like, I don't. I, there's there's definitely books I keep because I'm like I don't want to not know what's going on. You know, so mm-hmm. I keep them on my pull list that I could probably shave off, but. Mm-hmm. It's just the worth to not worth it. I would be ratio. afraid to sit down with my pull list and <laughs> look at all the titles. I, I'm serious. Mm. I would love to have an entire month, and I know previews, but previews going from page to page would be confusing as all hell to yeah. try and do this. But I would love just for once just to have a full month's worth of releases just all on a list mm. that I can just tick off everything that I'm that I'm buying and then work my way through it. Mm-hmm. Because every time that I look at the releases, I'm, oh, it's not so bad. <laughs> and then Wednesday comes, and you start reading them off for the show, yeah. and I just sit here, and I go, damn. Like, <laughs> I'm, like, calculating in my yeah. head, and I just, it's so, I would have, I would be rich <laughs> if it were not uh, You'd be rich in a different way than you are. That's yeah, right. Yeah, but yeah. I, I love it, and I do it every week because I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, Stephanie, give us another question. Let me see here. Um, so um, there was a follow-up to this. Let me just find it. Um, Dan Sims wrote, I second Leo's question, which we just answered. Mm-hmm. And he follows up with saying, pretend for a second that you guys don't do the podcast. You're just normal comic fans, which to be fair, we kind of are. Sort yeah, of. We totally we're, we're are. both, though. We're just not normal. How many books a month Like for a normal comic fan just like, not doing it for reviews, anything like that. How many books is reasonable? And uh, we just discussed, like, which ones stay and go and all that. But, yeah. Like, what do you think is reasonable for someone who, you know, has a normal budget and that sort of thing? That's reasonable? Tough. Uh, It's hard to say because it's like, I mean, it's depending on really what, it's a personal thing for everyone. Yeah. Where's the rest of your entertainment dollar going? Exactly. Well, yeah. And some weeks are lighter than others. So yeah. I mean, you could always redistribute budgets to different weeks. Yeah. And yeah. Well, that's why I was saying I don't know the schedules, yeah. but I mean, if I can say monthly, you know, here's what I would think. If, if I wasn't doing the show and before I was doing the show, when I first started buying books again, uh, you know, I would think about it kind of in terms of the other entertainment that I would buy. So, you know, if I would buy three movies in a month, you know, or I buy two video games in a month, or I usually I buy three movies and two video games in a month, you know, I'm near like yeah. 150 bucks, 
right there. You know, I, more than that. Yeah, but I mean, for two video games and three, yeah, probably yeah, 180 yeah, bucks. Yeah, way whatever, more than that. Yeah, whatever. It's gonna You're be. at 120 just by the two games. Yeah, and then three movies like 20 bucks each, maybe a little less on the on the day they come out. So you know, 180 bucks. You know, I would look at that as kind of my entertainment budget, and maybe I was already spending too much on entertainment at that point. But mm-hmm. you know, very for me, comics have very much replaced a lot of what I spend on other things. Uh, a because I want to, I need to keep my budget at a certain amount, and also because I just don't read the comics. I don't have time to watch as many movies or play as many video games, so right. they'll never they'll never get pared down. I think you have to do it for yourself, but I would say do not. You shouldn't if you overextend yourself too much buying entertainment. Part of you will come to resent the the thing that you're doing every every week because you'll feel like it's taking away from your quality of life mm-hmm. in some subconscious level. Hmm. So I would say spend what you want to spend, but if you're in a budget, just buy the stuff you're really really excited about and wait, like Steve was saying before, for the stuff you're kind of excited about for a trade. Because honestly, yeah. the time will come so much quicker than you think it will. I mean, one of the one of the things that I I've done personally is I cut, you're talking about entertainment budgets, mm-hmm. I, I used to every week, Best Buy, Bob's Store, whichever, mm-hmm. that I've all almost all but stopped buying films. Yeah. I just, even even with the better prices and getting them in so many formats, I just haven't been, to be fair, there hasn't been a whole hell of a lot released in the past several months that you've had to own. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean, I've made cuts even to my video game budget mm-hmm. where I used to get whatever came out, whatever, you know, was my fancy, I would get it. I don't do that anymore. Right. I only get the titles that I am just so like The Last of Us is coming out on Friday. Mm-hmm. Have to play that game. I did not have to pick up Remember Me last week, which I skipped. I right. pre-ordered it, got my free comic, and then I ended up giving it back to the store because at a $65 price tag, that's a week's worth of comics right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, even more so. And it just, it can't be done. Mm-hmm. I don't have it. Yeah, absolutely. Could you, I mean, I think he wants this reader, listener, however, how do you how get to us? Uh, Facebook, Twitter, it was on Facebook. whatever. We'll call, Facebook. Him a, we'll call him a listener, we'll though. Call they him all a listener listen to the podcast. Okay. We'll say, he's listening now, hopefully. Yeah. Could you pare it down to say, Fifteen or twenty dollars in a given week, and have a sampling of what's out there. Yeah, I think so. I think I think you could probably spend twenty bucks, maybe twenty five a week, and probably get a you know you get a couple of the biggest DC books, a couple of the biggest Marvel books, a couple of big indie books. You could probably go for twenty five. I think absolutely, yeah. If you weren't kind of extending into other parts of the universe, also be on the lookout for your your comic shops that are having good uh, membership deals. Yeah, for people that uh, create pull lists and stuff. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they'll give you special discounts, and you know, hang out at your store too. Because once you get to know the staff and they're friendly with you, uh, you know, they may just throw you a book every now and again Mm -hmm. just because you're a great customer. Yeah, it happens. And you know, it gets really tough because here's the problem: is that if if Four Marvel books come out in a week that you really want to read. That's sixteen dollars, most likely, uh, and all of a sudden that you now you have nine dollars for everything else mm-hmm. in the whole comic landscape. So you really you really have to be if you're working on that kind of budget, you really have to be cutthroat about the things that you really yeah. want. You know, the thing is, if you are waiting, as Steve yeah. was pointing out. Stores have sales, as we know. Rob does yeah. over at Tours. Where all of yeah. a sudden, back issues are fifty off, sixty off, seventy-five off. Yeah, there are dollar bins. Mm-hmm. My friend Frank's store right now. He's he had a lot of leftover DCs from the mm-hmm. last year or so. Mm-hmm. Buy ten dollars worth of stuff, take a free book. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. why I got a stash. 
Yeah. Because I just, mm. I'm putting it aside until I can yeah. afford it. Yeah. You know, even stuff that is, you know, four or five books uh, mm. for something like uh, Fabian Gray mm-hmm. or um, what's the other one that I, uh, Amala's Blade. Mm-hmm. I like it. I meant, but I'm not not craving it. I'm not dying to read it, but I would like to read. I like collecting single issues right. that I'll keep those aside. And then by the time it's done, I'll have them at half price. Mm. Well, Amala's Blade is totally a comic that you would kind of just pick up. I feel like it's more of a graphic novel. Like it's something that right. we would normally see just collected. Mm-hmm. It's not your typical single issue comic. Right. right. Yeah. So it's, I wonder if, um, Dark Horse is kind of testing the waters with some of these smaller books to see how they re- react with people as single issues because mm. it's really just one of those books that you don't typically see out there on its own monthly. Mm. Right. That was a really weird end to that. I was going to say month to month, but then it just turned to Lee. <laughs> Whatever happened to Mara? The last issue comes out today. Does it? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Really? Or the or whatever? It was a mini issue, mini series. Yeah, it's a mini series. Yeah, it's a mini series. Because I've been waiting, I have them all, but I've been waiting. I've held off. I've been waiting to read it. I'm pretty sure the. I don't think uh, it's today. I think there's. Uh-huh. I think there's an issue. I think there's. By the is, way, Ming Doyle look. did this amazing post or painting for Heroes Con. I think the auction of Jubilee. It's oh rad. really? Cool. Awesome. I thought you hated Sorry. Jubilee. <laughs> likes I the do poster. hate Jubilee, but she's still a really cool artist, and it looks awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you'll love Jubilee by the end of this Brian Wood thing. Yeah. you watch. Uh, Will I? Yep, I think so. Uh, she's definitely the like least least annoying she's ever been. <laughs> she's least annoying she's ever been in the X Men number one. Uh, that's true. That's really true. Yeah. Although she does just randomly steal a baby. She does. She just does. Well, we don't know that a baby yet. thief, <laughs> a firework throwing baby thief. Um, uh, <laughs> Stephanie, what's what we got else next? Something. So words. we got a question from Avant nineteen seventy nineteen sixty three not seventy three. I'm just adding New Year's. <laughs> anyways are you reading gillen's uber i'm a history buff and love it what's your take on world war ii slash nazis in comics like red skull hellboy etc bob Bob. big fan of the (laughs) big fan of the nazis yeah how am i supposed to say that yeah Yeah. no they're the greatest villains ever Mm -hmm. put into comics and they were real yeah Hmm. Um, but i mean i feel like a lot of them were put in there as like propaganda like initially, of course, we were fighting them in the war. I mean, yeah. There was yeah, a real. I, 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 this may be you know news, but it, there really was a World War Two, despite yeah. it being in movies and no. comic books. Yeah, yeah really. What? It was one of those conspiracy theories. What do you mean? Yeah. So having the Red Skull around, or even when we did retro World War Two books in the seventies, Master Man and Captain Nazi, whoever they had. <laughs> Sorry. It is no. There's real character. It is very easy to hate Nazis in I comics. So, Nazi. so just let, just go for it. Have fun. Look, Red Skull's great. Um, having Hellboy be a World War II character. It's just a whole lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. That's why they're the freaking villains in the Indiana Jones movies mm-hmm. and all their stuff. Like it's, it, they're perfect because they're they are real world monsters, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so. If you can treat them in a way where they get pushed around, it, it, it you know it doesn't lessen what what happened back then, but it makes them less you know it makes them more inert. Like Mel Brooks always said that making fun of that stuff was the best the best weapon against it. Oh, that great theater scene at the end of Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Shoot exactly. Hitler and burn yeah. the place down and cool. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Nazis well, are great villains. What do you think, Steph? You're pro or anti-Nazi? <laughs> I mean, for the most part, I, I don't really have that much experience with Nazis being in comics. But going back to Kate Beaton's Hark of Vagrant, that like one Wonder Woman comment or comic where yes. she's like, Wonder Woman, we need help. And, you know, she's like, nope, is there Nazis involved? She's like, they're like, no, no, this is like, you know, 2000 and whatever. And she's like, well, then I don't want to be a part of it. And they're like, but there's villains. And she's like, are they Nazis? We just went over this. No. And she's like, well, then call me when there's Nazis. I'm going back to my roots. <laughs> it was a great strip. Totally. Uh, just to clarify, uh, Mara number five comes out next week. And next week's comic list is brutal, by the way. <laughs> uh, oh. Which the next issue, Mara, is number five of six. So there's two more issues to oh. go. Brutal. Marvel. There oh. we go. All right. Th- give us another question there. Okay, champ. <laughs> Friend. <laughs> Scout. Yeah. Sport. Buddy old pal. <laughs> old chum. <laughs> we got more. <laughs> we better read something quick. Kimasabi. <laughs> So, this is a question from um, HSJ3, but yes. Harry. That's Harry. It's Harry yes. Jackson. Yes. I just, I don't know. I, have I like how you had a trouble here. saying the initials. <laughs> but I have the, I have the, tw- the Twitter handle. HS3? Don't me. Question mark? Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Did they reboot the, le- the number three? <laughs> I'm going to slap you guys. No, you're not. You can't. You're all the way in Canada. Yeah. Yeah, well, when you're here next, I'm going to slap you. And then you can slap Bobby and Bob for me. Awesome. Although Bob hasn't really said anything, so to be fair, you can just slap Bobby. Night's not over yet. Thank you, I guess. Yeah, yeah, give me time. All right, what's the question? Back on the ranch, kids. (laughs) I'm going to edit your voice for all different things to say something really offensive and put it in a podcast. Nazis. Yeah. (laughs) Don't be a turd. I Just love Nazis. Nazis. <laughs> no, I love Nazi turd. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Alma would be fastly offended by that, guys. I love Nazi shenanigans. Well, you shouldn't have said it then, Stephanie. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I'm going to slap you. Okay. Quit it and shut yeah. up. Stop interrupting the questions. All right, go. Host. <laughs> what are some of the gems of your comic or geek collections? Mm-hmm. Um, you guys can go. Bob, I'll go first. Well... Uh, most people know this. I own a Fantastic Four number one that I had personally signed by both Jack Kirby and Stanley. Oh, that's a gem. That's awesome. I don't know if you can beat that one. No, I can't. It's unbeatable. I can't beat. And it. Bob, where do you live? So keep <laughs> <it>. <laughs> uh, I, I, it does come out of the box. It has even been here at the show. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. It has been. Yes, it has. And there's more than one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, beyond that. We, one of these days, it'll be an eye collect, because mm-hmm. Steve <laughs> took a picture of it. I did. I, 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 thankfully, I never got into collecting toys, because I, it would be as bad as everything else. I right. had a house full of those. And in the 90s, Toy Biz started making these Marvel toys, and I went into Toys R Us, and I filled a shopping cart. <laughs> and and I, I was getting to the checkout line. It was, what are, what are you doing? <laughs> Just insane. So, so I put them all back and kept the Fantastic Four. Less one because the Invisible Woman was defective and broken half and was toxic. And eventually got one. Someone paid a hundred bucks for it was one. Toxic. Me. No, the, the the if you dipped it in water, it turned white as if it was invisible. And the dye they used was was bad chemicals. Yeah. Oh wow. So they they pulled it from the the mm. shelves and so on and so forth. So I had a few of these, and then they did another set of them 
when the cartoon show was on. So mm-hmm. I did the same thing. I bought four and a Doctor Doom. Fine. They canceled the show, canceled the toys. I bought a whole bunch of them for three dollars, and, mm-hmm. and and then eventually it got to be like eighty cents in KB, whatever. And I realized I want to display them. So I, collectors think this is horrible. I opened them all up and put them in a curio cabinet. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh my god! And I'm looking <laughs> at them, and it's well, I'm missing a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Found someone who did customized figures. So I have, I've got the world's only Alicia Masters action figure. Oh, wow. And she's blind. Oh, wow. Her eyes have been whited out. Yep. I have a Franklin wearing a four and a half, little Franklin wearing a shirt that says four and a half, holding a, a Hulk action figure. And he's about, <laughs> what, inch and a half, two inches high? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So I had a whole bunch of stuff made, and I still was missing some. So I made for myself, out of two other things, a stand and a jack. <laughs> And they stand at the back, mm-hmm. and they're there. And on the Jack Kirby one, I even drew in pencil a cover of the first issue. So Jack is holding a penciled cover of that, and they stand at the back of my sofa. That's about the geekiest thing I own. Wow. it's pretty impressive. That's crazy. That's really, really impressive. Yeah, there's been a, there's been a push online. I've gotten a few messages oh, to really? bring mm-hmm. iCollect back. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to buckle down and figure out a way to, to reintroduce it. I want to change the format of it a little bit, but we can get to that later. Uh, as far as my collection, I mean, I've only been collecting really for probably the, about the last almost two years, mm-hmm. but, uh, I'm very, very proud, even though it's only about 23 of the figures I absolutely adore and love my Funko pop collection. Right. Yeah. Those are uh, awesome. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, Stephanie would be happy to know. I actually received Daenerys in the mail the other day. I found one. <sighs> So cool. Yeah, she's awesome. She's, she's like great. sitting beside the Little Mermaid in my room. Well, I have my, my two because favorite characters from, uh, from Game of Thrones I have, which is Tyrion and Daenerys. So does my she fun come co- with little dragons? She does, yes. Oh. She comes she with little dragons. She has little three dragon. little dragons on her? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, um, no, I lied. She only has one. Yeah, only one. It's a red one. So comic in comics, though, uh, something that I've grown really, really attached to that I love that it started out just collecting the initial ones, but now it's leaked out into there are many more of them. My Scotty Young collection of all the Marvel Now number ones, mm-hmm. I have I don't have all of them, but I have a whole bunch of them and they just make me smile. <laughs> I love them. I think they're adorable and I love his art. I love the little jokes, little uh, th- little scenes that he sets up on some of them. Other than that, uh, my Fantastic Four collection has gotten pretty respectable over the last two years. I have, they're in the Marvel Masterworks uh, collections, hardcover collections, but I do have one through 60 that I'm working awesome. my way through. Yeah, it is awesome. Uh, to think that, that that series was so good, even all the way back then, is just amazing. And really quick, my signed copy of I Kill Giants from Joe Kelly mm-hmm. that I got to interview him, sit down with him for a little while. He signed that for me along with everything else that he's written that was available that day. So everything from Joe Kelly that I own is signed, which is great. Uh, my huge hardcover of Monosite, that was the last that they had at the uh, NYCC. And Menton sat down and did this huge, thick uh, drawing on the inside mm-hmm. cover and then signed it for me and continue to sign all of my other stuff. His Not only is his signature really badass, but the idea that he took the time to draw this intricate, cool character thing on the inside was very nice. And I have other stuff written down, but I'll go right to the end. 
my absolute favorite thing that I own, and I said this at one other podcast, is still the sword number one from the Lunar Brothers, the variant cover that our very good friend Rob had uh, gifted to me one night while hanging out at his house. Uh, I have a very sentimental attachment to that book. And to me, that's the gem of my collection because of the wonderful friend and the wonderful connection to our store, to being a guest on the podcast and just being a truly one of the greatest people that I've ever known in comics. Isn't even a, is, isn't even a creator is just a fan. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the sword number one variant is my favorite, uh, thing that I own comic wise. Awesome. I don't really have a gem in my collection. I haven't collected enough to have one. Um, Stephanie, do you have anything? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, mean, I yeah, have like I a ton of stuff. I I totally have a ton of comics. I have a ton of collectibles that are all in storage right now. Unfortunately, I don't really have them out. Although I have like the Black Knight from Monty Python and the Holy Grail and a few other things around flesh my room. Wound. It's only a flesh and wound. a cool clock, a little mermaid clock that actually Steve sent me for my birthday. That Christmas. actually came from Bob's store. Yeah. So I mean, those are a couple things, but. Right now, like in terms of prints and stuff, like I have um, one of, and for those of you who know what I do, I guess this probably isn't a surprise, but like I have an original Fables page from that was done by Mark Buckingham, um, nice. which I adore. And uh, also, they're they're not originals or anything, but I have all these really cool posters from Challengers Comics in Chicago, and they're all like I have one from Scotty Young and Rebecca Isaacs and just a ton of really cool people and they do galleries at challengers comics. I've talked about it before. And every time an artist is there, um, doing a signing or a gallery, uh, challengers commissions them to do a piece for them. And there's some other stores that I know do this, but challengers has a ton of the posters out. And I, I got a whole bunch when I was in Chicago and they're beautiful. And I'm really proud of, proud of those. Hmm. Oh uh... yes. And, also, my cat sketchbook, <laughs> which is like, you know, pretty fantastic. And I have a pretty cool sketch from Carl Kershaw, and, which I've talked about before, which makes me sort of, I think, even more of a crazy cat lady. But cat sketchbook, um, meow, meow, meow. Duh, Steph, I just wanted to let you know, when I went to the Silver Snail in Ottawa, I actually got a copy of the Scotty Young Silver Snail poster. Right? So yep. cool. I've got that too. Their official poster, like the one for the store that they have done, there's a warrior woman, there's some kind of ghost. It's yeah. like a hodgepodge of all these different types of heroes is just awesome. Yeah, Adam but, Hughes actually did the very first poster they had ever. And they get all these cool artists to do official posters for them and mm -hmm. they're awesome. Yeah, the one the official store poster is super, super cool. I, oh. I mean there's a lot of really cool comic shops in Toronto, but my heart will forever be with the Silver Snail. Wrong. <laughs> they are the best. Totally. Cool. So I've got yeah. an email here. This is from Mike J. He said uh, he went to his first con in Denver. Just went there. Awesome. Um, he wants to give a yeah. shout out to uh, Top 5 Comics in Grand Junction because he was helping out with their booth there. That's how he got in. Word. Um, <clears throat> and uh, he got some cool stuff. He got a, <laughs> a Rocket Raccoon sketch from Phil Jimenez. Nice. Um, he met really cool people. He met Amy Reader. Uh, cool. He met George Perez. He met Fiona Staples. Yeah. Said, but while he was on the line with Fiona Staples, he noticed someone sitting there without a line. He was like, "Let me go see who this is." And it was Jim Steranko. <gasps> 
Um, <laughs> and he couldn't. He said, I cannot believe an icon such as Mr. Stranko did not have a line. I'm sure Bob knows a lot about him. I remember the days from my youth reading about Nick Fury and plenty of other characters. I talked to him for about 20 minutes, and I had a great time. He was a class act and a lot of fun to talk with. When we were done, he thanked me for sharing the tales of my misspent youth and gave me a signed Nick Fury print. Um... In the time when, that I spent speaking with Mr. Steranko, not one person came by. What a shame. I know people are drawn to popular creators, but there should be no popular creators without those that came before. There are a lot of people out there, and they don't know what they're missing. Absolutely. Uh, love Jim Steranko. For those people who don't know, the, the Nick Fury that he did uh, in the middle 60s, if you love Batwoman and what's going mm. on over there, that's what Steranko was to them. Mm. It, crazy use of colors and panel layouts and bizarre ideas just amazing and that's certainly i i think jh is definitely steranko acolyte mm-hmm. what's sad with a creator like that sitting there by himself when i had jack kirby sign my book it was 1986 he was sort of out of comics he was working a little for pacific i guess at that point and the big guest that year was john Byrne for alpha flight there were thousands of people, it seemed like, following him around. Jack Kirby was sitting at a table the size of the table we're sitting here at. Mm. About three it's not by, a very big table. About, yeah, about you know, three by three yeah. with a folding chair, one for him, one for his wife, Roz, mm-hmm. and just sitting there with basically nobody going near him. Look, mm. people, come over here. Look, it's Jack Kirby. Look, yeah. it's true. Yeah. Nothing. And so that's nothing new, Sam. Right, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's at something. least he got a great visit. He did, yes. yeah. Uh, and he said, sorry for being long-winded. I really do enjoy the show. I might ask a, well, ask a question while I'm at it. Sure. Uh, what would you say is your top two favorite ongoing series would be from each of the following? DC, Marvel, Independent. Thank you all. Oof. Um, I don't know who anybody wants to go. Stephanie, you want to you try your hand at this? Um, yes. Sure. Okay. Mm. Uh, oh. Okay, well, I think the first one that came to mind is Saga. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Saga is probably one of my indie favorite ongoing series. Um, I think the second volume actually got way better. So for those of you who are waiting for it to come out in trade, it's even better than the first. It just keeps on getting better. Mm-hmm. And I will stick by the fact that even though I love Brian K. Vaughn, Fiona Staples' art sells that book. Hmm. So, you know, stuff. Um, <laughs> as for my second favorite ongoing series... Shit, that's like tough. Um, you know what? Right now, this might shock people. It might probably not though. But I'm really, really liking all new X Men. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that really surprised me in terms of how much I would enjoy it. And it fluctuates every now and again, but for the most part, it's pretty consistent. And I enjoy checking it out every month. I would say X Factor, but that's coming to a close. Mm. Uh, I mean, my, my two favorite Marvel stuff. My, my favorite is probably Daredevil. My second is probably Hawkeye. Those are probably my top two uh, mm. Marvel titles. Uh, at DC, it's probably oh. it's probably Batman number one, uh, oh. and it's tough for number two. Uh, there's a lot of books kind of in the same sort of grouping for me. Uh, it's probably Aquaman though. Would probably be number two DC title wow. for me. And Independence tough because it. it a lot of the independents I seem, seem to cling to the most are like the the limited series. So mm-hmm. it's tough for me to, to say that. I mean, the obvious ones, Saga and Revival, are both fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm very behind on Saga, so I, you know I can't oh, say. 
uh, I, I'm sure wait. it's still great, but I, you know, I can't say that for sure. Wait, I forgot one. What? Oh wait, this isn't. Never mind. Carry on. It's not image or anything. I was gonna say Rachel Rising. But it's independent. It didn't say image. Oh, okay. I thought it was like image or something. No, it's just independent. Rachel Rising. Rachel Rising definitely on there for me too. It's probably. Which, Rachel by the way, R- we didn't talk about it. It was so good last week. <laughs> I'm like literally shaking my hands at the computer. But whatever. It, it was awesome. good. I read it today. We can it see awesome. you doing it. Yeah, we can see you doing it. Yeah, for me, probably Rachel Rising and Revival are probably my top two right now as far as indie stuff goes. Uh, Bob. You're welcome for throwing uh, Marvel, Fantastic Four, and Captain Marvel. Okay. Uh, DC, since I only get about three DC books, yeah. it's not much of a pick, but it's mm. Batgirl and World's Finest. Okay. India, I buy mostly limited, you know, yeah. they're fives and sixes. Mm-hmm. So that said, I would say masks, which I'm just really enjoying the heck mm-hmm. out of. Yeah. But ongoing, do we count Rocketeer? Yeah, we, we, we kind of said that we were going to do that. I mean, it, it might not be, you know, no, issue 36, but it continues to just come out every month. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. a new issue of Rocketeer, whatever the numbering is on it. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Fantastic Four, right? Not FF? Yeah. Okay, cool. I just want to do that. Um, Marvel. I hate to do this, but Fantastic Four and FF. Oh, wow. Those two, two. both, yeah. Uh, Independent would be Saga and Morning Glories. All right. Are are my top two. DC would probably be Animal Man. Oh, I love Animal Man. And Batgirl. All right. Sidebar, did you see the tattoo? Somebody got... um, uh, well, Joe Isma posted a photo from Heroes Con on the weekend, and someone got the little Morning Glories tattooed to his like forearm. Yeah, the 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 backup or whatever you want to call it in the newest issue, it, it was very much in the vein of the uh, Stephanie Brown tutorial of the Batman yeah. history of how the <laughs> oh. Batman's moved. They did that for Which is like Morning my favorite Glories. issue of like background yeah. ever and the newest the, the next issue for morning glories has almost like a scotty young cover it's the chibi looking characters mm. and it's all of them lined up and then one of the characters that are dead she's like hi still dead <laughs> it's pretty funny uh oh speaking oh, of stephanie, stephanie brown real quick you know they they showed some footage from this new uh dc scribble knots game yep and one of the things they wrote in was like terrifying stephanie brown yeah <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah, you can you can totally uh, interact with Stephanie Brown. All the DC characters. Yeah, the premise of Scribblenauts. In case anybody didn't know, it's this it's this you know all ages kind of platforming game. But the hook of it is that you write things in and they help you get through levels. So you know you could write in you know angry devil and an angry devil would 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 pop in and, and help you go through the thing. You know you write you know shotgun or whatever you write. You things will fall into the 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 uh, world for you as long as it's in there. Mm-hmm. Really ridiculously expansive mm-hmm. uh, dictionary of stuff, but this new one is a DC superheroes focused one. And they showed a trailer for it, and one of the things they wrote in was horrifying Stephanie Brown. <laughs> when so, is that coming out? I'm, sometime this year. I'm not sure. Probably pretty soon. I'd assume that's for the 3DS. It's for it's for no, it's for the Wii U. Ooh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, wow. I'm gonna have to yeah. <laughs> blow the dust off of my Wii U to play that. Yeah, but I, I thought of you, Stephanie, once uh, as soon as I saw it. Um. Uh, so uh, another qu- email question here. This is from uh, this is from Lauren Colleagues, friend of the show. Yeah, uh, hello, Lauren. She says, "Dear Talking Comics, at the advice of Bob Ryer, I decided to check out the archives edition of the Green Lantern Volume One. There you go. I finished I finished the forward by the late great Gil Kane. In it, he briefly mentioned Watchdog Forces, 
of Frederick Wortham in the 1950s, which later turned into Senate hearings overlooked by Estes Kaufer, a Baptist Democrat from Tennessee. So she's very... Estes Kaufer, you gotta, gotta hate him. Uh, comic book publishers tried in what Mr. Kane referred to as trying to avoid the tarring of Wortham's dripping brush, a comics code authority. Uh, um, I believe the CCA, CCA was finally abandoned by the big companies and then demolished in 2011. In reading Green Lantern from the 1960s, you can see how safe the content is and progresses into more risk-taking situations. My questions for, are for Mr. Ryer. Given that you grew up during the height of the CCA reign, do you feel that it has set the foundation on how you see or read comics today? Do you think that there should be a CCA given the violence and adult situations in comics at present? Also, do you have any information, additional information about the CEA that you could share? She she ran sure. this by okay, me okay, over. Okay, Mike Wallace. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she ran this by me the other day, and I was like, you're going to okay. make Bob's head explode. No, no, no. Okay, first of all, to deal with information about the comics code, it was uh, very restrictive. Criminals couldn't win. They couldn't be seen to enjoying the fruits of their labors. There was no horror, no sensual, no sexual, no werewolves, demons, zombies, anything. Mm. Uh, you couldn't say crime on the cover. You couldn't say horror on the cover. You couldn't mm. say terror on the cover. Needless to say, EC Comics went out of business mm. instantly. Uh, Lev Gleason, crime does not pay, so on and so forth. What it did do at a certain level though, was forced people to become innovative in a way to tell stories around that. Now, at the point that those early DC books are coming out, we, we have another question, I'll get into some of this, mm. but the really early Silver Age at DC is a continuation of the Golden Age. It is really safe, but really inventive. The original Flash, that Green Lantern, the things he can do with the ring, it was all very science fiction movie-oriented. Marvel changed things with more adult heroes. They were flawed characters. You know, they had flaws. They weren't flawed heroes, but they were definitely humans you could recognize. That began to change the way the stories were written and characters were betrayed as the next generation of writers came in, too, so you then, by 71, they revamped the comics code. Mm-hmm. Horror was back. Bad things could happen. And that happened in the wake of uh, the uh, federal government asking Stan Lee to write a drug issue in Spider-Man. That's when Harry has an overdose. Mm-hmm. And the next year, DC did one at, at Green Lantern, Green Arrow, right. with you know, the O'Neill Adams. Uh, for more information about that, the two great books is David Hajdu's The Tencent Plague which is about the comics at that time. And there's a very, it's, I think it's Mississippi Press, Christy Nyberg, I think her name was, which is all about the comics code, including printing all the various versions of it. Should there be a comics code now? No. Mm-hmm. I don't want that censorship. I don't want it from the government. I wrote a whole piece about this. What I want is creators and companies to be responsible to an audience where that, as you saw, you mentioned, you know, Kefauver being a Baptist Democrat from, you know, Tennessee, whatever. In this day and age, is it possible that, you know, someone starts to look at stooping Amazons and mm-hmm. ultraviolet books and say, oh, gee, aren't these for kids? Mm-hmm. It is separated now because books are not at the 7 Eleven, they're not at the candy store, they're in comic stores you have to go to, and they all have their little ratings on them. Mm-hmm. I just think that. There should be different lines of books. Mm. These are very much all max books at this point. Right, you know, that everything's are. teen plus. Mm. So why can't there be a line that could be for young readers? Maybe that's the Little Gotham or mm. it's Scotty Young Books or a JL8. Mm. And there should be a line in between 
for old farts like me, you know, the altacarkers who want to read heroic superheroes, mm -hmm. who may not do the right thing all the time, but understand they did something wrong mm -hmm. and not just, oh, I can do what I feel like because I'm badass. Right. Mm -hmm. right. How many parts did I answer? This is yeah, like I think the $64,000 question. I'm pretty question. sure you answered it all. Okay. Uh, good job there, Bob. Uh, and also, you, you referenced this this uh, other question. I think we're going to save that for next week. Okay. So you, <laughs> so just so a you, four-page letter. Just so you don't, we won't undersell. Uh, it's a really cool question about the difference between the different ages, and I think it's something that we should give some time to because I think probably a lot of people are a little unclear about it. So I want to wait for that okay. uh, for next week. Uh, Stephanie, last question from you. Yeah, um, so... This is from Kellen Ramsey on Facebook and says, not sure if you've covered this before, and I don't think we have, but what novels have you read that you think would translate into a comic book series? Yeah, we didn't do exact novels, right? We did other mediums. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, into, into whole series or just graphic novels? Well, either one. I think it's going to be either. Yeah. A comic book series, novel. A series, graphic novel, whatever. Into a comic. Um, yes. Yeah. Hmm. I need a minute. Okay. Uh, do you have any ideas, Bob? I want to see some Lovecraft. Mm -hmm. See someone like Bernie Wrights. Oh, wait. Ooh, I got yeah. Do At the Mountains of Madness or something. Mm. It would be pretty special. Yeah. Um, I would absolutely love to see either a film series or a comic book series based on the Charlie Parker character from John Connolly's uh, Charlie Parker novels. There's about nine or ten of them at this point. Those already exist. In graphic novel okay. form, isn't that isn't that the Parker novels? No, 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 no. Oh, totally okay. different. Oh, gotcha. Um, no, this is it's this it's some of the strange it's some of the strangest things because it's it's like cop drama, mm. but at the same time it's got hints of the supernatural, and the way that the supernatural permeates the story is in my in my estimation very unique. Mm -hmm. And it didn't even really get like funky until the third book. I think the third book was actually my favorite in the entire. I've read all but the last two, and they're just wonderful. I actually went to go and eat at the restaurant where a majority of the story takes place, <laughs> and it was really cool because I knew the layout of the of the restaurant before I even walked through the door. I knew where the bathrooms were. Mm -hmm. I knew you know where the bar was, where I wanted to sit, wow. everything. Yeah. And uh, it was called the Great Lost Bear. It's in Maine, and uh, I would, I would love, love, love to see somebody do a really, really good job with that. With translating that to graphic novels, I think you would, you'd have some really crazy villains mm -hmm. uh, from that series, and it would be awesome. Cool. Uh, I'd love to see. You know, uh, it'd be more probably a very limited series or a graphic novel, but a. Uh, uh, after reading Day Tripper, something like The Lovely Bones, the book mm. made into a graphic novel with a great artistic team and a, and a, and a great writer behind it, I think would be really, really affecting. And someone who wasn't afraid to like hide everything. Like The movie was so, like, they hid everything that the book was about. Yeah, it's tough I for think, a movie. You know, it's tough it's, for It's a, a really hard book to get through at some yeah. points, but I mean it's necessary to really appreciate the rest of the book. Yeah, it's, it's the mo a movie version of that is tough just because the things that are going on, a lot of things that are happening there are very internal, you know, and I think, I think that a comic book is a great medium for that internal, uh, that internal mm. struggle for characters. Cause you can get a great inner monologues going there. I, I, and I think that it would be a very hard comic book to read because like 70 saying, there are some really difficult moments in that book, uh, moments that uh, seeing them, you know, put on, put 
into picture would be tough to tough to look at but i think uh it's such an emotionally affecting story that i think it could really do great there and they've done it with a couple of those other books but i'd love to see uh it stephen king's it oh yeah because uh, without limits of budget and be able to do all the crazy stuff that happens in that book I think it would be fucking great to see. And if they, you know, if they use, I mean, always we talk to Peter David and he works on the Dark Tower ones, but the stand adaptation has been very, very good as well. So I'd love to see a take I've on never, it. I've never read the stand. I've never seen the movie. I've oh, never, the, oh. the book is uh, amazing. Yeah. It's, hmm. it's one of those. When you read the stand and then you watch like every character base slightly science fiction television show that's on tv right now <laughs> you're like cool. oh my god this is what all of it is, all of it comes from you know that, that's it's amazing do you have that the stand yeah 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 i got it i'm gonna have to borrow that absolutely. i might even i might even own it absolutely you can borrow but it. i would yeah no i will i'm totally in novel reading mode again uh the stand the stand mm. yeah the stand is uh, it is my favorite stephen king book but the stand is very very close hmm. uh See, on the base i did i am legend but Yo, yeah. not, not do the movie. Do no, that would be awesome. Book. I would love to see an I Am Legend film book. Uh, it's not even necessarily a bad movie. It's just a bad no, adaptation of that right. story. You know, there's Called some very something else. Yeah, it would be interesting. Very enjoyable things in that movie, but that it's just for that story. It doesn't work. Stephanie, what, you have any ideas? Yeah, I do. Um, the book I, I read this book a little while ago, and immediately after I finished it, it was kind of like this would make a really cool comic book. And it's a book called Bedtime Story by. And I'm going to fuck up his name, so sorry. Um, Is it Robert based on that K- Adam Sandler movie? Okay. <laughs> Ooh, I got another one. No. That was actually surprisingly hilarious. Like, Russell Brandon, that is really funny, but shut up, Bobby. Anyways, <laughs> so it's by Robert J. Wersima. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, it's a story about this father who really wants to get his kid into, like, fantasy, like, Lord of the Rings-esque stuff, but he doesn't want to introduce him to that directly. There was a series that he grew up with that was sort of, you know, this fantasy series that he loved and he wanted to pass it on to his kid. And he buys this, like, first edition of the book and, um, you know, he gets his child to read it and he doesn't think that he's going to really like it, but the kid, like, doesn't read and he gets, like, so invested in it. And what happens is the kid winds up in a coma all of a sudden. And um, basically the kid's life is, like, directly linked to this novel. Like, he's somehow been sucked into the book itself Hmm. and the only way that he can keep living like this has happened to other kids who own this specific copy of this book and um his father can only really keep him alive by reading him bits of the story while he's in his coma but you know the book comes to an end and he needs to figure out like how to save his kid before the end of this book happens and it's a really great book and i think it would also be a really great comic book as well because it's just so visual and he does such a great job of you know presenting all of these images in your mind but with words and I, <laughs> shut up all of you so shut up bossy <laughs> no you were about to make fun of me the giggles yes bossy but yeah hands. it's awesome and i think it would be a really cool comic it sounds like it would be a really cool comic i want to read that book mm. it's See, it's really great and <laughs> Shut up! What? No, we're laughing because I was saying, Steve, go, and you just started talking. That's why it was just a timing thing. Oh, okay. Well, anyways, check it out. If you haven't read the book, I highly recommend it. And, yeah, hopefully maybe it'll be made into a comic. Cool. And, Steve, you said you thought of one? I just, um, 
I would love, love, love to see the Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman oh, God, be yeah. a yes. graphic novel. That book is amazing. Yeah, I love that book. Still waiting on that movie. Yeah, still I, waiting. Yeah, that that's one of, one of my favorite books of the last ten years. It's yeah. just it's awesome. Uh, and we're gonna close out with this this question uh, from Joe. He says. Uh, as a kid getting into comics, I was always drawn to the X-Men. They had internal strife and felt human rather than superhero specific. Gene had emotional instability. Scott had confidence issues. Storm was a kid with a troubled past. Superman and Batman never connected with me on a sheer human level. Uh, so what about you guys? What caused you to gravitate to certain characters when you were younger? Uh, he says, P.S. Brian Michael Bendis is on fire. <laughs> Uh, Could he be? Literally. <laughs> um, Steve, why don't you go first? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go. Uh, Stephanie, actually, I haven't had the chance to sit down with it yet, but uh, Stephanie, 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 Stephanie recently mailed me, <laughs> she recently mailed me the graphic novel version of my favorite book of all time. Oh, yeah, I did that. Yes, you did, which is, <laughs> and thank you again, I will read it, is The Thief of Always. And I, I, be, I fell in love with that book because it was a book that I had almost had that idea for a story going around in my head for a long time. And then I happened upon this book and Clive Barker just, he nailed it. He got it so right that if I was going to create a story, this was the story that I would have when I was younger, of course, that I would have loved to have seen. And he had done it. It was almost like... I had wanted this book to exist and then I eventually found it and I read it and I said, holy crap, this is, mm. this is the book. This is my book. And yeah, that, that story is just, I, the kid that gets taken away into this world, he doesn't like his parents. He doesn't like the, his new school and he gets whisked away into this world where every morning is Christmas, every night is Halloween, every dinner is Thanksgiving. There's something horrible living in the lake. The cats can talk. It's just a very, very fantastic world. And I loved the idea of this ordinary child being whisked away into this kind of magical land that was kind of tailor-made for him. But then it turns nightmarish and he forgets who he is and just very Peter Panish kind of world. Um, still my favorite. I love it. It's just so much imagination to it. Awesome. Bob? Uh, I grew up in the era, obviously, where things were straight ahead heroic. Mm -hmm. uh, Stan changed some of that. But for me, what attracted me to superheroes is just they were, beyond being bigger and stronger and having powers, they were better people than I were. Mm -hmm. There was something to aspire to be. They were going to try to do the right thing for everyone involved. If that meant sacrifice, if that meant doing the wrong thing for themselves, to put themselves in harm's way, they would certainly do that. So that I think that's what attracted me to, to those characters, and probably from first seeing George Reeves on television. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's funny. For me, uh, it's definitely Spider-Man was the first thing that really drew me to that world. And, I mean, for no other reason than I liked the color red, and he was red, mm -hmm. you know, and that's the reason I, I was drawn initially to him. But, you know... It, you hear Stanley talk about why he, create, why he created him and the things about his character and the things they really are true, even not knowing the the backstory behind a character or knowing, you know, the the reasoning behind creating someone. He was just a kid, you know. He and being just a kid, you know, he got he got picked on. He he, you know, he had all everything working against him except he was he had these powers and he was just a really 
if he did the right thing long enough, it was gonna everything was gonna turn out okay, and it didn't matter how big the obstacle or how heavy the the, the truck. You know, he yeah. was gonna get through it. He was gonna find a way to push through. He was gonna deep reach down, and even though he's super powered, he had to reach farther than even what he thought he could do to achieve a lot of he had to achieve, and that that was the thing that kept me in, in, was keeping Spider Man as one of my favorite heroes. But initially, it was just because he was red. That was the reason I got drawn to him. <laughs> uh, Stephanie. Um, I think for the first little bit, I mean, I've talked about how Archie was really like my gateway and then sort of X-Men, the animated series in the past. And I think as far as like X-Men went, I was really attracted to Rogue as a character just because, you know, as a kid and I grew up in a small town and girls weren't allowed to do certain things. And, you know, like I play hockey and a lot of people know that, but like we weren't allowed to like play hockey on like teams when I was young because like girls can't do that. And, like, Rogue was just this character that was, girls can do that. Girls are strong. Girls are, you know, this and that. And I just really dug the shit out of her. Wow, I'm so eloquent. <laughs> you are. <laughs> but I don't know. It was just, like, it's so cliche, I guess, a girl being, like, you know, strong female character. But, like, it was someone I could look up to and admire and be, like, when you're playing games at recess and be like i want to be rogue although i don't oh, think we great. had any friends that ever wanted to play like x-men at recess but <laughs> no that's, believe theory, me, that's totally cool you know how yeah. many times i've made the wolverine claws sound yeah. on the playground yeah i smell them yeah 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 <laughs> you should take a bath i smell the kid that smells like pee yeah. <laughs> when i was like in fifth grade i think it was i had a friend who we would call each other he would call me like peter and I would call him Logan. Yeah. And we'd like, we just like had this ongoing thing. Like we'd walk through the halls and he would oh, go like, yeah. he, he would go like, like just, and I would just hear him in the halls and I'd go, choo, 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 like the, the, the webbing and stuff. Yeah. So um, it's understandable. Oh, so I had that I, kind of with Sailor Moon. Uh, I used <laughs> I don't to, know if you admit that. two, two quick did. things. So I used to, I was just going to get to this. I used to pretend that I was Donatello from the Ninja oh, Turtles. Oh yeah. Ninja Turtles was a huge all thing the time. on the playground. Yeah. And uh, the other thing, I'm very hungry, so I think I kind of misinterpreted the question before. Mm -hmm. As far as heroes goes, mine was always Batman, uh, and it's really, really simple. I absolutely loved the way that he looked on the page. I loved the dark, stoic way that he would just mm -hmm. be standing there, draped in shadow, the little white slits for his eyes, and the the intelligence and adventure that was behind his character. That was what that was the first hero that I got attracted to. I had loved Batman since I was about three years old. Mm -hmm. So right. there you go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that, that question. That's it for our listener questions. Uh, thank you guys so much for writing in. Even though we spent over an hour doing your questions, we still have a ton more. So oh. we'll definitely get some later on. What's on the shelves right now? Uh, from our friends over at Action Lab, we have, I, I think it's Erm Theory, number one of four. Ghost Town, number one of five. Uh, from Aspen Comics, Bubble Gun, number one. Sounds so cool. Uh, from Avatar Press, we have Ferals, number 15, and Stitch, number 14. Uh, from Boom Studios, Bravest Warriors, number nine. Freelancers, number six. 
Grace Randolph's Superbia, number eight, and Six Gun Gorilla, number one. Yeah. Uh, from Dark Horse Comics, we have Black Beetle, No Way Out, number four of four. Speaking of a series I'm definitely going to pick up and trade, Black Beetle is definitely one of yeah, them. Yeah, it looks amazing. Yeah. Uh, Breath of Bones, A Tale of the Golem, number one of three. That is a Steve Niles joint. It looks really cool. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season nine, number 22. Uh, we've got Star Wars, number six. True Lies of the Fabulous Killjoys, number one, yes. and X, number two of four. From American from American Vampire, from DC Comics, we have American <laughs> Vampire, The Long Road to Hell, number one. Uh, it's a one-shot. It's written, actually, by both Scott Snyder and Raphael Albuquerque. Well, it's part of the anthology that will be eventually collected. Well, no, this is a one-shot. They're also doing the anthology. Pardon? They're also doing the anthology. Oh, this isn't part of the anthology. No, this is it's one single, uh, just a one shot. Well, then don't listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. I know that. Uh, Shut up, Bobby. <laughs> from uh, Batgirl, uh, from Batgirl number twenty one. <laughs> we we've have been, DC. We've yeah. been recording from a long time. Uh, Batman number twenty one, which is the beginning of zero year. Batman Arkham Unhinged number fifteen. Batman Little Gotham number three. Yay. Constantine number four. Demon Knights number twenty one. Green Lantern Corps number twenty one. Katana number five. Uh, Mad Magazine presents Superman, number one. Uh, we've got Nightwing, number 21. Masters of the Universe, The Origin of Hordok, number one. Hodo. We've <laughs> Smallville, season 11, number 14. Suicide Squad, number 21. Superboy, number 21. Superman Unchained, number one. Threshold, number six. And World's Finest, number 13. You gotta give it up to Demon Knights for lasting to issue number 21. I know, it's lasted for a long time. Yeah. Uh, Dynamite Entertainment, we have uh, Damsel's Mermaids, number two. Uh, Garth Ennis' Jennifer Blood, number 28. Grimm, number two. Shadow, number 14. Sherlock Holmes, The Liverpool Demon, number five of five. Uh, from IDW, we have Crow Carrere, number one of three. <laughs> Doomsday Point One, number two. Dungeons and Dragons Cutter, number three. Uh, Half Past Danger, number two. Nice. My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, number Hurrah. eight. Popeye Classics, number 11. Thumbprint by Joe Hill, number one. Uh, Transformers Prime Beast Hunters, number two. And Transformers Regeneration One, number 90. No pressure on me this week. Nope, no pressure on you this week. Uh, If you had been able to guess those, I've been very impressed. Uh, From Image Comics, we have Aphrodite 9, number 2. We have Artifacts, number 28. Distant Soil, number 40. Dream Merchant, number 2 of 6. Great Pacific, number 7. Manhattan Projects, number 12. Peter Panzerfaust, number 11. And Walking Dead, number 111. Uh, from Marvel Comics, we have Alpha Big Time, number 5 of 5, Astonishing X-Men, number 63, Avengers Assemble, number 16, which is the second part of Enemy Within? Enemy Within, right. Okay. Uh, Avenging Spider-Man, number 22, Cable and X-Force, number 9, we've got Deadpool, number 11, uh, we've got Guardians of the Galaxy, number 3, yes. um, Savage Wolverine, number 6, uh, uh, Thor God of Thunder number 9 uh, Ultimate Comic X-Men number 27 Uncanny X-Force number 6 Venom number 36 Wolverine number 4 and Wolverine the X-Men number 31 uh, from Oni Press we have Helheim number 4 uh, from Titan Publishing we have A1 number 1 uh, which I believe is the first of their new like ongoing series, is, oh, right. uh, yeah, that they announced. Uh, mm-hmm. From Valiant, we have Harbinger Wars number three, 
And from Zenoscope, we have Grim Fairy Tales presents Hunters the Shadowlands number two and Robin Hood Wanted number two. So that is what's on shelves right now. Uh, guys, we told you uh, we got a lot of listener questions. If you guys want to be part of that, info at talkingcomicbooks.com, at Talking Comics on Twitter, and Facebook.com slash Talking Comics. Um, and of course, talkingcomicbooks.com for reviews, uh, columns. The podcast goes up there as well. We, or every time we talk about it, it goes up in the show notes. That's where it'll be. So there's a lot of links and stuff we put in there. You guys can check out as well. Um, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve's? Mine is at dead underscore anchorus. Bob? Bob Royer at talkingcomicbooks.com. And Stephanie? I'm at Hello Cookie. Uh, and like I said, next week we're going to be reviewing Man of Steel. We're also going to have some special podcasts uh, with Joey Esposito and almost 100% Dan Jurgens. So uh, that's not his nickname <laughs> I like or anything. I went from 80% to 90% to now almost 100%. Well, I got an email while we were recording. Okay. Oh, <laughs> oh what now? Shit, oh. Shit Stephanie. <laughs> Shut up, Stephanie. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just enjoying the percentages. You got served. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Way to go, Bob. Thanks. So, <laughs> count it. <laughs> yeah. So, look forward to Superman Week uh, next week. Uh, and again, we're going to be talking a lot about the Men of Steel. So, please send in your thoughts on the movie, on your thoughts on Superman in general, some of your favorite stories. Uh, please let us know those things. But that is it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. Bob, I just want to throw something in. This okay. was a, a sort of a big week in the Talking Comics family of friends. Mm hmm. Uh, Sarah and Ted Bell and oh, Perry, yes. our, our UK division, <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, all got together in Cardiff, Wales, for it seemed like a rather uh, entertaining yes. weekend of beer and debauchery. Yes, yeah, and cards some, against humanity and some Doctor Whovian sort yes. of things. Uh, and I also got to meet uh, Professor Carolyn Coca. Oh right, yes. Uh, who was just out at the Denver Comic Con and presented a panel about Wonder Woman and Buffy, mm. and brought back for me. A copy of Wonder Woman number one signed by George Perez. Wow. Whoa. That's awesome. That's really awesome. So we're all starting to meet each other in the real life here. It's true. You you never know what's going to happen anymore. You never never know. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. In fact, the two people, three people, I guess, who didn't know each other before we started doing this now actually hung out physically. It's pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's pretty awesome. So yeah. So with that... Talking Comics Podcast, this second week in a row marathon of the Talking Comics Podcast uh, is over. Thank you guys for staying with us. So for... I've forgotten how I closed the show. For Steve. Later. Bob. Well, now it's good morning. Yeah. (laughs) And Stephanie. Bye. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued.